We now interrupt this irregularly scheduled deprogramming to uplift your consciousness and inject your essence with the truth. This is not a test. You are about to listen to a conversation with a fellow conscious co-creator. This will rejuvenate the fire within and cause you to hover from person to person, pollinating the seeds that it will take to bring about a higher frequency of consciousness. Do not proceed further unless you are willing to bear the responsibility of being an integral piece of the solution. We are the Getting a chance to experience itself. I'd like to keep the introduction short and sweet here. Um, was very blessed to have the most amazing conversation with the host of Dominant Yoga Radio, Christopher Freeman. Um, I implore everyone to go check out his work at dominantyoga.com. We explore so many topics, I don't even want to bother getting into them right now. Just know you're in for some of the dankest spiritual information you can ever come across. Peace. We need you, bro. We need you because you got an ear for it. You got an ear for for good shit is what it is. Like you have a, and that's a special, that's what I call the listener. I call it the listener with a capital L. It's like a dude who he hears it. He mm. like... With those, those, like those who have ears to hear, hear. Like without a listener, there is no message. Like because of the way reality works, someone has to understand. If people don't understand what's being said, it doesn't exist. So it's like you—you you strike me as someone who is very uh, receptive and has a good uh, a good sense of discernment. I'm not—I'm not—I'm not giving you an ego boost here. I'm saying. That's what I get. You have an eclectic taste too. You'd listen to the Cambada. You got the the Mark Passio. I thought that was very solid. And who was the beginning, by the way? Who was at the beginning of episode two? Who was talking? The guy, the first guys. Who was that? I'm trying to think. Uh, it's okay if you don't remember. You, That's a lot of stuff. It was, what was the what was the, no? What was the talk about? Uh, they got into the topic. The, it was like, a guy talking about the difficulty like, of talking about esoteric or or wisdom stuff he was saying how it's hard to describe uh anyway good stuff please go on what were you saying i'm sorry I okay okay <laughs> okay okay no honestly like i was just i was just re- I, I was just reviewing the the episodes like the previous content so i made sure i didn't have like repeated uh songs or repeated theme or mm-hmm. or anything because it's it, it takes me it doesn't take me too long to actually do it but i feel like it takes me a lot of energy and a lot of time to to accumulate it all and put it all in one spot. Um, you know, like right now, I, I just made it my motivation to just you know work through any difficulties I have and just push through and just put out some solid, uh, consistent content. Um, job, I feel like the people who were talking was was Cambada and my friend Mike, my friend MP. If, it, if it's who I think it is, it was just them on my Cambada's porch and they were just talking about like psychedelics and metaphysics, hip hop. Was that it? Yeah, but the thing there was other to th- like all the psychedelics, hip hop shit. That's interesting. That's cool. But the stuff that they re- those guys really said some other things where they expressed an awareness of like the deeper level, like drugs is the first level. Drugs is second level. 
Um, I have four levels. If mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you've heard that or not, but there's four levels to it, right? There's oh, like I haven't. the first level where you b- believe everything you're told. The second level is when you start to question things. The third level is when you step into a stream of the truth, like you become a mason or you become a shaman or you become a Buddhist or you do something where you're really trying to get the answers. And the fourth level is the one that yeah. only the masters get to. Like you and I, we're all third level cats at our best. And that's probably all we're going to achieve in this life, right? Mm-hmm. But the fourth level, that's like your mm-hmm. Rudolf Steiner, Edgar Cayce, uh, Emmanuel Swedenborg, uh, Madame Blavatsky. Like that's the high, high level of the masters of masters, right? And Okay. Yeah. Fucking yeah. psychedelics are so mistaken for level three. And psychedelics are only level two getting you to level three. And level three is when you start accessing those states without psychedelics and – that's the level those dudes were really on. Like psychedelics for a lot of people is an excuse to talk about the occult. Like what it ends up being in a lot of practical situations is you have a materialistic society. You have a society that is not welcoming to spiritual ideas. Like it shoots down religion constantly because religion has shown itself to be full of falsehood and full of lies But that has nothing to do with how true Jesus and Buddha were, right? So those guys can get you to a level of consciousness that is akin to a psychedelic state, but that is closer to a type of waking normal consciousness so that the experiences you have with drugs, you can have without drugs. And when you have them without drugs, they're more real and they're more accurate and they're more true and they're more beneficial, so, like, if you had a choice to take psilocybin or to practice kundalini yoga until you could talk to the gods, the ideal path would be the kundalini yoga with no drugs. So, like, third level, mm. second level is dope because second level, psychedelic level, it teaches you to break through the matrix. It teaches you to wake up. It teaches you to look past appearances and look to the inner, deeper parts of things, right? So, it definitely does that. And a whole lot of people that I respect on the esoteric path, we've all done it, right? We've all done it. But the people mm-hmm. who are deep into Rosicrucianism, into masonry, into ritual magic, a lot of them don't need it anymore. And that's level three. Level three is when you get to the point where you don't need psychedelics. And that clip you played when, when, with Kambada talking about the porch and all that, there's a moment where he goes... There's a moment where he goes, you know, he's talking about the porch where they would smoke a lot of weed and do psychedelics and get into deep metaphysical and philosophical discussions and really discover truth, right? And he's talking about that. But then he says, it got to a point where we didn't even need drugs anymore, where we could just sit in the, sit on the porch and it would happen. Or we could just take a walk in nature. Mm. Mm. And that's third mm-hmm. level. So that's why I respect that conversation those dudes were happening. I respect that guy and his I respect his mind because you know, these three levels, this is just my approximation based on what I've learned. Yeah. But I think course, it's yeah. accurate for this example because he recognized that yeah, man, you get to a level where you realize that the psychedelics were just opening up the possibilities in your mind. Like these things were always there. Like Nobody was more psychedelic in his own mind than Edgar Casey. Like nobody had more access to 
whole other worlds and timelines and all of the knowledge of the human race. And all that ever dude, all that dude ever did was drink probably as much as a farmer did, but not excessively, smoke tobacco and read the Bible. Mm. And he was inducing states that were clearly super conscious yogi states. You know what I mean? Like these are really high level things that he was manifesting because of all the practical, the practical benefits that his visionary ability brought down. So the thing about psychedelics is, and I know this might come off as disrespectful, but I don't mean it that way. I'm just saying as a spiritual scientist, if I'm being honest right now and I'm telling the truth. That's all I want. From from where I'm sitting, psych- psychedelics are level two. They are the way to wake up from level one, the way to wake up from the illusion and to realize the world is more than what you've been told. But because they're drugs and because you're relying on them, you're not able, you're not ever really going to get the full truth from just that experience. That's why like when Cambada was talking, he was talking about philosophy and metaphysics and he had a lot of solid metaphysics. He had a lot of solid points about the way reality really is. And so that's what I see. That's what I look at. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, you took some drugs and you had some crazy experiences. That's something. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. But when you bring back real esoteric knowledge, then I know you've you're on you know, you got to the next level. You got to okay. level three. Yeah. I feel you there. And so there there's a level of it, yeah. That's it. But I mean, so I love I think drugs are good for certain people at certain times. Mm-hmm. But as a catch-all, it doesn't work because there's a lot of people who take psychedelics and they think they know things, but they're fools. And they get hopelessly trapped in a Luciferic mind prison. Mm. So in my view of things, Lucifer is an extreme of the mind. Satan is an extreme of the body. Christ would be the force that centralizes the two, harmonizes the two. You think of a Luciferic person as somebody who's in his own head all day and obsessed with ideas and ideologies and all he does is think. And you think of a satanic person as somebody who's trapped in his belly and all he wants is more food and more money and more sex. And Mm -hmm. a Christ-like person would be someone who's harmonized these two forces in the heart area, right, in the middle, the middle way of, of the Christ. And so it's like Luciferic mind prison is what you get with a lot of occult stuff that goes the wrong way. And the easiest way to get some like mistaken esoteric knowledge does seem to be drugs or any kind of drugs Um, because it guarantees access to something different. It guarantees access to an altered state. Whereas if you're not using substances, then you need to be able to meditate. You need to be able to meditate deep enough to where you can control your mind, slow your thoughts down. And the truth is, if you're living some kind of corrupt, crazy life where you shouldn't be accessing higher worlds because it might destabilize you, you won't be able to meditate. So you won't be able to get there anyway. So it'll be, there'll be a barrier between you and the uh, spiritual worlds. But when you take psychedelics and you're not ready for it, we all know what can happen. So there are Luciferic mind prisons that may trap us in this life and then we're going to have to work out that karma in the spiritual world and get retaught about 
All right, so you t- a lot of us, dude, a lot of us who are on this esoteric path, if we're talking about reincarnation now, we're going with the full picture. Yeah. Like, a lot of us on the esoteric path have made mistakes before on the esoteric path. Like, we've gotten trapped in dogmas. We've gotten trapped in these philosophical, luciferic mind prisons where we've become convinced at one point or another of our own correctness, our own certainty. And the problem is that it's a subjective art, spirituality. It's not science. It's a, it's a subjective art. So we're capable of deceiving ourselves and imagining things that aren't happening and the like. And so even though there's all this level to where the metaphysics is fact, there's also levels where we can be mistaken. And so it's like the mm-hmm. beauty of the merciful universe is that it's all in degrees. So it's not like we're really not evolving our soul because we still meditate every day. We're still doing certain things that are spot on and are evolving the soul. But it's possible. Possible. And this is my last thing I'll say about this. Now, I definitely want to hear what you have to say. Um, It's possible that the psychedelics a lot of time can lead us into luciferic mind prisons. And that's why I wanted to talk about... um, what I was talking about before, how these are guys who clearly used the psychedelics in the right way and they understood, you know, that it's a it's a spiritual science and took it there and made it to the third level. But yeah, that's it, man. Wow, man. No, thanks. I've been think I've been trying to summarize that thought f- for a long time and I finally I finally said it in a way that I think makes the most sense. So appreciate you. No doubt, no doubt. Um like it, it really like puts my life in perspective because um, I feel like when I was growing up, all I all I did was just kind of believe everything, um, just just believe everything I was told, and I just followed the just the, the, like what society was telling me, what my parents were telling me. Like as much as I wanted to try to smoke when I was like sixteen or seventeen, uh-huh. I just never. Um, I just never did it. I just like, I didn't hang out with kids that did it. Like I just, I, I never drank. I, I just wanted to be good and do what I was supposed to do. And then, you know, a little bit of independence and being able to, you know, do some research on my own about things and, and having the freedom to try other substances like cannabis and then, you know, later psilocybin and other things. Like I definitely feel like it would be the level two where it opens up your mind to the to question everything and it just kind of leaves you open and so i would definitely say i'm i'm on the like really wanting to get onto the third level and so like listening to your podcast and hearing about how um i only heard necessarily one one kind of way that you've been able to achieve these kind of states without any kind of substance um so i would i would honestly like to hear a little bit more about that after i was finished um yeah but what I was getting at is that it like it definitely that I could see exactly what you're saying. And, um, I don't know if you've heard of the guy, Walter Russell. Have you heard of him? That's crazy, dude. Do you know on my desktop right now is a, is a wallpaper. That's a Walter Russell wallpaper quote. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Okay. No, I'm, gl- I'm glad you've heard of him. Cause I feel like he would, I would feel like he's a spiritual scientist and that he would be like right in, in the line of, uh, the kind of people that you would know about in research if you if you hadn't yet, but um, well, I don't know much about him. Like, so he was please, the first yeah. person that. Okay, 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know extremely in depth about him, but um, I would listen to a lot of interviews by this guy Matt Presti and Robert Ote, who know a lot about him and like how, like work for his re- uh, foundation that's still going. But um, he's he's what they call an illuminist. That um, well, basically, this guy's story was every seven years he would have like flashes of white light and he would go to some other place and um like would get positive messages and like, it, it would happen always on the seventh like seven years on his birthdays like right. it would happen some other times i believe mm-hmm. but um the more powerful ones were on the sevens and then on his 49th birthday he had like the so which was the seven times seven he had the most powerful one which is where he would came out i believe this is where he came out with like his magnum opus uh i, I really I wish I could remember it right now, but um, Universal Law or something like that. Yeah. Um, where he, 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 it's like he's writing it from, like he's being dictated it from the higher source. And uh, just like I, I was I was on the beach reading it once and it, it just like gave me shivers, just like just the, how it was, how it was like speaking, like what the message it was trying to convey about balance and um, every, how everything's in motion and that, like, what the, the true essence of, of, like, divinity is just, like, the balance, the still point in between and um, of, like, a pendulum swing right. and just other there's types a, of stuff. like and eternal so, potential, you mean. There's, like, a, there's a kinetic movement, a, a constant vibration to everything that never ceases. There's, like, this eternal mm-hmm. dynamo that is everything and that's at the root of everything. It's very, it's very strange. But it's amazing, yeah. Yeah, one hundred, no, one hundred percent, and um, and so he was really like the first person that, like, as I was along this, uh, you know, the second level, like hearing about somebody that was achieving these states naturally, and it, it really like made me think like I don't really have to go through um, like the anxiety and like the the possible detriment from from psychedelics or other drugs to try to reach these states and so i mean it took some time like i've honestly heard of rudolf steiner but i didn't know how powerful his work could be like the couple times i've heard anybody refer to him they kind of like brushed him off but when i heard about the waldorf schools um it was it was like highly praised and um so it's it's really really interesting in my opinion and exactly so it's it's just like I would hear conflicting things and it would be the same thing about like Blavatsky when I was younger. Like I would listen to a rapper named Cannabis and he would have like kind of occult references in his in his uh, his work. And so like whenever I'd get into like looking into him, it'd be like, no, you shouldn't look here. No, you shouldn't look here. And then like some of it would be like Crowley and it like makes sense now why I wouldn't want to necessarily look into that at a, a very young age. And right. right. But I mean, I. When it comes down to it, like, um, I I would when I came across your podcast and listened to when you were talking about a god pose and being able to listen to a 210 BPM drum track and like being able to for like 15 minutes just sit there and have a very powerful spiritual experience. Well, first of all. The the big the big deal here the big uh, 
the big catch-all, like the real catch-all, is tradition with a capital T. Some people call it the secret doctrine. Others refer to it as the primordial tradition. Illuminism is a good word for it. Um, Mysticism, the occult, the Western esoteric tradition. Basically what this means is there were a lot of people before us, before you and me are having this conversation, thousands Mm -hmm. of years of of documents Mm -hmm. actually, thousands of years of knowledge, there were people who were able to manifest very powerfully altered states of consciousness and have very powerfully magnificent spiritual experiences. And they were able to do it enough. Now, the thing you said that was really interesting about Dr. Walter Russell is that every seven years he would have this crazy vision. Like it was part of a cycle. And, you know, the seven-year cycle of life is obvious. We know that that's a scientific Mm -hmm. fact. I mean, zero to seven, seven to 14, 14 to 21, 21 to 28. These were all the phases of your life, 28 to 35. These are all the phases of your life, right? This is when you changed and became a person. We know that the seven-year cycle is certainly tied up with something cosmic. And that's part of why the number seven is so special, not just for all the other reasons, right? But it's definitely tied up to that, that there's this intuitive sevenness about our life. And isn't that the amount of time it takes all our cells to like die and grow back? I don't like to bring the science yeah into that's what it. i learned seven years unnecessarily but yeah i mean there's a lot to it right there's yeah. a lot of sevens um I, yeah i never i never no i never made that connection like in and when having this understanding but yeah i remember that as a child yeah all, all the cells in your body and that you're practically a new person cellularly yeah and molecularly so one thing is and i did learn this from steiner from rudolf steiner it's so important is the concepts that the masters of the past can give us are really the doorway to the spiritual world, literally. And Steiner had this weird conception of the word literal. Like, <laughs> it's one of the deepest things about him. Uh, but for him, there was a type of fact. There was a type of mystical fact. There was a type of reality that was fairly objective because what he basically posited was that the spiritual world everyone's always been talking about the world of angels and demons and and different realms all the dmt elves all this stuff (laughs) is basically the mind it's the mind it's your thoughts but normally normally our consciousness just doesn't register all the other parts of it Like, for example, one of the things he talked about was changing the consciousness from being verbal and abstract into very images and seeing every thought you have in in its full glory. Recognizing your own thoughts are these much larger, much more complex things and looking at them in a way that they expand and brighten and become more real and more solid. And he recommended learning to see thoughts as real in the same way that we see the physical world. I think he said one time, until we recognize that 
a negative thought has the same effect as a bullet fired uh, from a rifle has on the, the wa- a wall it goes through. Until we learn to recognize that our thoughts are as real as things, we'll never progress on the path to esoteric knowledge. So the, the, the idea there is twofold. Number one, I'm giving you the first, the answer to your question is how do you access these states without drugs? And number two, I'm pointing out how when we go back and we study the people who came before us, we find these, these gems which explain everything. I mean, this is a fairly obscure guy that we're talking about here, right? Like, he's respected and known in certain ways, in certain circles, but pretty obscure, right? Like, most people yeah. have no idea who this is. Certainly. So, when we go back and we look at the tradition, so I went back with a fairly, uh, not harsh, but a fairly rigorous notion of like, all right, I know a lot of these dudes are charlatans, so let's figure out who's got the real dank spirituality, who's got the real dope who's got the real knowledge right the real gnosis yes and i ended up on mr steiner yeah that's what happened i ended up on mr steiner and you get ideas like that like okay so then that makes sense why psychedelics work because yeah yeah exactly oh and i I, yeah i forgot a critical part of it so this is very important so because our thoughts are the spirit world there is a way that we can change our consciousness to perceive this reality And so what has happened in history is that the initiates, he called them, all the great initiates who started all the religions that then got twisted, right, and ruined. But the great adepts who started all the religions, they could do this. They were what he called clairvoyant. He defined it as one thing. He said if you sort of wanted to sum it all up, you could call it clairvoyance, clear seeing. And he says what happens is, and it has, to do, it has to do with your chakras aligning and all of this all of this stuff. But he says what happens is your being transforms in a way where you begin to perceive realities that have always been around you, but you just didn't see them before. You didn't know they were there. So he left all these very specific, challenging, very challenging methods for becoming what he called clairvoyant. And the great thing about it is it's all a measured out, degreed thing, so you can get it a little bit at a time. And you can, if you can, you know, you're just not morally capable of achieving the level he's talking about at a certain point. You have at least achieved a lesser level because you've been trying. So it's very much like this it starts with concepts and recognizing possibilities and then learning for yourself how those things are true. And so that spiritual scientist like Steiner, he leaves you a map. Almost like a map you got to almost color in. Like he leaves you a map of a world, almost like a 3D VR map written in his books. And you take that map and it's your job to then reconstruct it in the spiritual world. And if you follow instructions and you work really hard, it works. Dude, that's so reassuring yeah. to hear because I just uh, bought the the book that was on your um, suggested reading list from Rudolf Steiner. <laughs> it's a good one. So, it's a good one. It's, I mean, just... What's it called, bud? Just reading. <laughs> What's it, it called? It's called How, 
how to how to know higher worlds by Rudolf Steiner, a step by step guide for opening your spiritual <laughs> eyes. This book actually is what many occult books claim to be a manual of self initiation. I mean, it sounds like it's the dankest occult no joke how to book that you've ever found. <laughs> so, like, like for me, like it seems like my life is kind of like this where. I don't necessarily have to do all the, put all the footwork in. Like I'll come across someone like you that has put in. Like you were, like you said, you you kind of studied the the past and you and you came at it with the discerning eye and you came across Rudolf Steiner. Like I try to come across people like you have already. Now done he's that one among work, many. Just so to be, I know it's true. Just to be clear, <laughs> that's that's a great guy, but he's one among many. Let's be clear. There's a lot of paths of to the course, truth. You know what I mean? I don't want to pretend like he's yeah. the greatest or the only one, but. No. He's definitely a good place to start because he gives you a healthy headquarters, you know, like a nice headquarters to start from. But that's it. But please go on. I, I just had to say that. No, I do. I appreciate it. I mean, like, I don't want to try to, uh, you know, make it seem too too over the top or whatever. But no, I just I feel really excited, you know, coming by across something like this because a lot of these things are talked about in abstract concepts, like you said before. But right. I mean, just seeing it like on an actual um a manual in a sense like i haven't i don't have the book with me yet like i said i just bought it online yesterday but once i get it like i'm gonna be super excited to to put it into practice i think you'll find it um not too challenging either i mean i gotta you you sound like what are are you into you into some buddhism what's your what's your deal man what do you what's your path you take I mean, I don't know. I would say to, like if you right had now, to define it. I know you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I just like following. It's not truth fun. I don't. Li- I don't like doing love. that. Yeah. No, man. Like, I mean, I just say gotcha. like so, I haven't. Um, like growing up, my parents didn't force any kind of like religion on me. I mean, like I was baptized awesome. Catholic, and I never, I never had to go to church with my family. Like it was just a choice if I wanted to go with other people's family. Um, uh-huh. I was interested in, I mean, th- these deeper concepts in life, like just, I, I can just remember like pondering death in my bed as a child and like being scared, <laughs> being <awesome>. scared. <laughs> and like, um, my mom would tell me like, I, like I'd watch it out, like, uh, home, homeward bound and I'd be crying at the end at two years old. And I've just always had this like kind of like deeper connection and just kind of deeper questioning. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't. I don't know how comparatively it is to different people. It seems like other people aren't aren't as interested about things. Like I'll literally have a question. Like, are you passionate about anything? Like, and I don't mean it meanly. Like, if you're if you're really into makeup, oh. like, just tell me about the makeup. Then, like, I just want to hear something you're passionate about. And, and some people they don't even a have that introvert. that kind of inner fire. Yeah. Um, but are you a true introvert? Do you know what that I is? Would, is I mean, somebody I would, who only only likes to talk about deep stuff. Then yeah, I guess that's. I guess I didn't realize that was the the definition. But yeah, I would say yes. Yeah, it's a loose definition, but that's that's how I am. Too. <laughs> some of us, right? Got you. Some of us were not. We're we're not closed off verbally we're not like we can't talk but we only want to talk about deep stuff yeah or funny stuff yeah (laughs) 
No, I get you, dude. Like, Deep stuff for I would, I would totally say that. Yeah, I mean, like, I thought you meant like by true introvert, like, just don't really interact with the outside world. But um, nah, I, I, that's I, not. I would resonate. <clears throat> I would, I would resonate with that um, definition for sure. Man. Um, but like, because yeah, I, I go like, outside I that- and I talk to everybody, <laughs> but I just don't only want to talk about basically like Gnosticism and shit. That's all, that's all I want to do. If I had my way, that's all I would talk about with people. Yeah, it's 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 crazy because like at work, it's the same way. Like I work at a um a, dis- a cannabis dispensary in Florida here. Oh, and good for you like the like the whole office is just turned into. Like just talking about like spirituality and like kind of like deeper topics. Oh, that's great! And, I mean, and um, wow. I mean, it just feels lucky like lucky guy. What a lucky I'm guy! A, <laughs> I, I do beautiful. feel so I feel so grateful and I feel so appreciative and like I. It's just yeah. Now it, it's it's like things like this. Even just like I. I really was getting into your work and like, I feel like you're the next person that I was just going to get like, just real dive deep into all the stuff that you've put out. And that's why I, like I suggested that I, we could have the conversation afterwards um, after I did such a thing. Cause like, I just oh, get, dude, super we can do this anytime, bro. <laughs> yeah. We can do this anytime dude, you want, man. Anytime. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because, yeah. Yeah. um, I mean, you, you have like, you're you a happening have, cat. You're what's up. Dude, you don't even. Do you have an Instagram page? Do, no, like, do you all like I do uh, is Facebook. Kind if you, you want to, Facebook. If you want to hang out with me, join the Dominant Yoga Group on Facebook. The name of the podcast is Dominant yeah. Yoga Radio, so we have a Dominant Yoga yeah. Group in on Facebook, and it's all about. That's all we can do is talk about deep stuff, and everybody's cool. So if you want to hang out with me, it's a very, it's a very uh, small but engaged group of people and everybody in it is like super cool like my favorite thing about doing this podcast is the people it attracts like the huge the quality of mystic is really is really high and it, it it's like so nice to interact with it's like really as a collect it's a the biggest grouping of this many people who think this way that i've ever been a part of you know mm-hmm. even though it's an online community but at this point yeah. You know, a bunch of people exchanging mystical ideas is kind of a fun thing to do on the internet because then we can all get to it when we get to it. And it's like, it really is a, a great thing. And that's all I want from my social media. So that's all I really do. But <laughs> if you want to find me there, yeah, you can find yeah. me there. No, that's awesome. There's also the, the, dominant, the dominant yoga page on Facebook, but I mostly just use that for promotion. So I'm not really over there. Come join the group yeah. if you want to hang out. I mean, I appreciate the promotion because that's how I did come across your podcast. Like, I saw it a few times on my feed, and I like when I when I saw like the esoteric cure for depression and the Magdalene um, episode. It like it just you know made me want to look into it, and then ever since I've just been checking it out more. Really appreciating it, like. I mean, I don't know, man. I just thank you so much. Like you, like. Thank you a lot. You have it sounds like it's very fine tuned. Like it, you you have it like really down pat and I don't know how long you've been doing it, but when I saw like the inner circle hasn't been going on that long, I'm like, damn. Like I feel like I got in on it early. It's pretty new. It's it's only been like this for about six months. Yeah. Maybe seven months. But I haven't been doing it for very long. And at first it was just an experiment to see if it'll work. But then something happened and I realized uh, it's what I had to do with my life. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a little joke I like to make is uh, let's make America esoteric again. Like the only real chance we have of saving the world at this point is some sort of revolution in consciousness. I think we all know that, right? We all basically agree on that that fact. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, like, so. So what it's going to take is, yeah. Well, it's just what it's going to take is another occult revival. I mean, the Renaissance happened in Italy because of the influx of uh, esoteric knowledge back into Europe because of the influx of, uh, of, of Arabic people who brought that knowledge back to Europe. So when esoteric knowledge gets in society, it does weird things. The early 1900s in America, people were really into the occult and uh, in the 1960s, people were really interested in the occult. It does have the power. Oh, in the scientific age of enlightenment, there's a really strong conspiracy theory that says it was some sort of like plan. The rose, like the advance of science was like a Rosicrucian Masonic conspiracy to displace the power of the church so that we could have a rational democracy. (laughs) And that's why so many of the early scientists were all like Masons and Rosicrucians and stuff like that because they were the heretics who wanted to displace the brain control, the the, the mind prison that was religion in that time. Yeah. And of course, these were esoteric Christians and people who weren't against Jesus, but they were against the power structure like Jesus was. And so science was the best way to turn society on its head. And I think the, uh, that occult knowledge has the power to do that again because I'm telling you guys, I'm looking at it from a modern point of view. And me and DJ Tandem on Dominant Yoga Radio, he's a scientist, and we talk hard, hardcore about science and spirituality. And I figured out from talking to him, like, I know what's real and what's not. Like, I'm not saying I know the truth about things. I'm saying I can help us to figure out like where we should put our time as mystics, like where we can get more and where Mm -hmm. there's less to be gotten. Like for example, meditation is absolutely real and absolutely changes the body and the consciousness. And it's kind of the doorway to everything occult. So like things that we can scientifically validate, like meditation, we start there. Right. And then we build the spirituality that's valid. Like we say to ourselves, okay, so we know scientifically that meditation is absolutely positively this necessary and good thing. I mean, the body heals faster. Your your immune system works better. You're psychologically more resilient. You're more concentrated. You do everything better when you meditate regularly. Mm-hmm. So our spirituality in modern times carrying it forward, it's got to be based on a hardcore regimen of meditation and seeing how far we can take that. So there's things like that that like – so you start with Buddhism basically. Like if I'm making the case to Sam Harris or some atheist for religion, if I'm making the case for religion, I start with Buddhism because Buddhism is all about meditation and being happy and learning how to be better at stuff and better at life. It's really just the art of living and – it's also the easiest one to scientifically validate. Now, me, I'm shamanic. Like, I talk to spirits and do all kind of crazy stuff. So don't get it twisted. Like, I'm not some uh, science fanboy. But if we are going to, to have an occult renaissance, right, if we're going to have spirituality emerge back into the culture in a way where it starts to really shift the way we look at things in a generation or two, 
if we're going to have that happen, we got to answer to science now. We can't go back. Like, And to me, as a cultural Rosicrucian, that's what I consider to be the mission of spiritual people in this age. We got to answer to science, but there's more. It's not as hard as you think. Like, like Jesus is pretty simple. It's a guy who had a mystical experience and it turned him against all the power structures in the world because he realized the justice of God was greater than all of these human institutions. I mean, it's not complicated Mm. stuff. So like Mm. we know that people have mystical experiences and out of these mystical experiences, they derive political philosophies. That's what happened in the book of Mark, if you read it, because the book of Mark is the gospel that came before all the other ones. It's the first biography of Jesus. So all the other stuff comes after that, significantly later. And Mark okay. tells the story of a guy who had a mystical experience and derived from that mystical experience an anti-authoritarian political movement. Do you see where I'm going? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I feel like I, I wanted to tie, like, voluntarism and um, just, like, the belief, not like, the non-belief in government, like, into what you were saying about how, um, like, the goal was to try to get uh, science to overthrow the the control, the brainwashing control over of religion. I feel like government these days has gotten, like, a huge brainwash over everybody to, to follow into that, like, horrible thing. And so, like, I mean, well, and also there's to, a there's to, a stranglehold um, over silent over science. I'm sorry, go on, please go on. Yeah, no, I mean, so like, it's like for me at first when I come across these things, I get so into it that I'm easily swayed and like against the opposite side. So you know, one like once once I was you know feeling one way, I would feel like, oh well, the Bible isn't going to tell me anything that's truthful. And then uh, the next way I'm like mm. into like uh, you know spirituality and stuff. I'm like, oh well, well science is telling me all you know all this other stuff, so that's not right. And like, and the, even when I first got into you know not liking like the you know authority when it came to uh, government structures and stuff like that, like I was just super gun ho, and like it just wasn't healthy or whatever. It, it just wasn't a healthy mindset, and like coming at it with a more nuanced approach. And more balanced and seeing and seeing things where it's not all one way that there's so many like I mean just like the the yin yang symbol just showing how there's just so many different elements in each thing um it just yes. helps me live live a better life where I'm not like resenting people that I don't haven't even talked to and um and getting upset about of things course. that yeah. <laughs> And just like and just completely writing yeah, off man. other people because because I I don't want to be completely written off and I feel horribly whenever that happens to just if someone wants to judge me on something and then I was just so freely able to do it against the the other quote unquote other side of what against whatever I felt like at the time right and so like it's just it's just now coming at it from this more balanced and like I mean even when you said earlier about like uh, the Christ way is just from the heart it's just like getting that that aspect of it like combining the elements and, and just coming in from the balance and just trying to I don't know just do right and find the truth that's pretty much like what my path is like going back to the other question like I haven't necessarily found one way yet so that's why I'm kind of like on the on the journey to find a, a certain certain path I mean I'm just like 
getting a lot of accumulating a lot of knowledge and, and just seeing what works best for me along the way. Yeah. And I mean, that eclectic path, don't ever stop doing that as a, <laughs> as a, as a, uh, what, what did I call you earlier? A curator. I mean, you're creating with listen, this show, listen. you're creating some kind of, yeah, you the listener with a capital L, the one who, who <laughs> receives the Kabbalah, the one who makes it exist because he understands. Okay. Um, See, you're making like a museum of modern esoteric thinking and and that's something is it that's like a task, but as far as for yourself and your own development, I got a shout out to brother Brent. Now I'm not a mason, but he's a mason and he said he said it to me like this and it, it made the most sense. Now this is obviously something that brother Brent got from one of the wise, but he reported it to me, so I give him credit. Mhm. He said that it's all it's all one tree, right? And there's a bunch of different branches on the tree. Mm-hmm. And so the real like to me the best way to look at it is there is no reason that we can't be students of comparative religion and like see the whole tree and see all the branches on it and have respect and love for the tree. Because it's it's the, the world tree, it's the universal tree, right? Yeah. But in order in order to get back to the root, or at least get back to the trunk, or at least get back to halfway down one of those branches, right? We gotta pick a branch pick and start one. climbing. <laughs> Damn. So that's the way I think it works alchemically in in the in the being in the psyche in the soul. I think that's just the way it works. You know, I'd like it if we could practice eclectically because we we can. You know, like for example, I'll give you I'll give you an example because this is not as strict as it sounds. So, like I said, I, I'd identify myself as a cultural Rosicrucian, meaning I'm as, essentially a Christian but a Christian who combines Christianity with all sorts of other things. Like I've been known to dabble in some some ritual, some some summoning type of stuff in a good way, right? I've been very heavy into Buddhism. Um, I'm certainly deep into the spiritual alchemy side of things, and I'm very interested in chi and the body's electrical potential and things like that. I'm into the Kabbalah. I'm just starting my studies into that. But I'm into – so all these different things. But to me, that fits under cultural Rosicrucianism because it does because the tradition as it goes back does include all of these sorts of things as different types of yogas, different types of ways of getting to the Christ energy. So your path can be very eclectic if you choose a certain path. Like the the Western occult tradition – it kind of has these this this way of having a lot of like different stuff going on, so you never get bored, basically. And there's always yeah, new yeah. stuff to learn. So there are so it's like or honestly, and I've, I say it jokingly <laughs> many times, but the, or you could just follow the best religion, which is which is Buddhism. The original, <laughs> the original <laughs> Buddhism that Buddha created is basically a, is perfect. Like you don't you don't need anything else essentially. Like it it but it might bore you if you're kind of a dark edgy guy. You might get a little bored. That's the only thing about it. <laughs> but it actually will completely make you into a superhuman like god man. I mean it is it is the mysteries wrapped up in four simple meditations. It's like 
it contains all of the wisdom of the universe. Um, so you actually don't need anything but Buddhism. And all this stuff we're talking about is a waste of time. So really, if, if, if all you want is enlightenment, <laughs> then go get all the books you can by Thich Nhat Hanh and just start doing everything he says and then get real deep into the different traditions of Buddhism and learn about the history and all the difference between Theravada, Mahayana, Vajrayana. Like Learn about all that. See what stuff is good for you. Get super into Buddhism. You're done. That's all you really need. Um, what was the author's name so again? So like, yeah. And, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. So it's T-H-I-C-H-N-H-A-T-H-A-N-H. I believe I spelled that right. But he's a Vietnamese monk. He's yeah. very famous. He's been on Oprah. He's yeah. so, he's the best. But he, I believe I like he's I a real Buddha. I think he's, be- mm-hmm. yeah, he's the guy. Yeah. And I think, okay. He's like the real thing, in my opinion. He's an actual, like, Buddha. He's an actual thing. He's what it's supposed to be. He's very, very old now. He's probably going to uh, transition pretty soon, but he's done it, you know? He did it. So it's funny because, like, I look over at that branch sometimes. Like, I'm on my branch of, like, dark nights of the soul and struggling with inner demons and like merging with the shadow warriors and all this stuff. I'm going through all these crazy trials over here on this Herculean (laughs) underworld path. (laughs) This like Western mystery tradition where you have to be afraid and terrified and conquer your fears and all this nutty, nutty stuff over here on my, on my branch. And I look over sometimes and I just look at the Buddhist branch and I'm like, they're just, Dun, 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 dun. It's like, oh, here's a problem. <laughs> Deal with it. We'll move on. Like it's, it's all very like so. It's there's an irony to it. But I, yeah. I say all that kind of tongue in cheek, but I do mean it. You know that I certainly practice a lot of Buddhism, right? But at the end of the day, I've chosen to try to get to a place that I would see as like a, a Christ place, as close as I can get. Which that would be way down at the root, and I'm I'm just struggling up the branch right now. That's all I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's amazing. So, again, I, mean, I don't I think anybody. Like... Yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm done. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. No, I was just gonna say like uh, I, I would almost like file Rosicrucianism like under the same thing as like or same same area as like Rudolf Steiner, where it was like something that like mm-hmm. was interesting that like I feel like I'd hear conflicting information on on whether it was something even mm-hmm. worthwhile to, to 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 dig into and I mean I, I coming more at it and listening to things more as I get older the esoteric Christian side of things is like really calling to me um I don't know like mm-hmm. I feel like I would want to share this I would just want to share this experience uh this thing that happened to me and see what maybe you had to say or if you have even anything to say about it at all. But the very first time, like, someone introduced me to uh, just, like, the concept of accepting Jesus into your heart was through, like, AOL Instant Messenger. <laughs> and it was my best – this is my best friend. And we had such a connection that oh. we would say the same things at the same time. And then we would have like the same reactions that we would ha- when we would say that, and like it would like go like threefold, like Inception style, where we're just like so we're just interconnected in such a way that we would just be on the same wavelength. I don't know what to say, but okay. So he uh, he shared with me the prayer to say, 
and and when I did, I felt like a visceral f- like feeling over my body, and as I'm like feeling it, he's like, uh, "Do you feel like this kind of sensation?" And I'm like, "Was like just blown away." And I still to this day don't know if like if it was oh. real. And I want it to be real. <laughs> I want it to be real, but I, like it's just still still something to ponder well, the, over. The, the Christ. The Christ Chi is real. That's a thing. But I don't know. What, yeah. what was the feeling you had? What was the feeling? It, it was like it was just like overwhelming positivity and warming and and just like loving and like I don't know I don't know how to explain it, but I I feel like I just have lived a really blessed life where amazing things like I mean kinda like you talked about earlier, like I got like a a ear for good shit and then just like really cool synchronicities happen where like the people I admire most, yeah. I'm having a conversation with. Are they? They recognize me from writing on their their uh, fan forums, and they want to give me, um, you know, music on the side or whatever. It's just like I don't I don't know how to explain it, but I'm just so grateful, and I, that's why I made something like the podcast to try to share just the different connections that I've made with other people, and like yeah, the game was it, to go like for was like. To, it was like to aim for an audience that was like, I'm, I'm like aiming for like, here's my 15 year old self. Like, please take this information and start at a younger age and, and get further with it by the time you're 26. Oh yeah. And then, you know what I'm saying? Dude. Like, and so, yeah. I mean, even like, have you heard of the movie waking life? Yeah, of course. It's a, it's a very, I watch okay, everything very, that Alex very, Jones is in. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! That was like his first appearance no, too that's on a joke TV. I like to make. That's awesome. Though. Um, well, and every so, meme though. I mean, the best memes on the internet are Alex Jones memes. Everyone knows it. The best memes <laughs> in current. I'm a meme. I'm a meme connoisseur. Okay, sir. That's how oh I get gosh. a lot of my 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 lol my lols. Also. If you make a show on the internet, it's good to keep up with memes because it keeps you tapped into the egregore of the internet. You know, it keeps you kind of connected with the group mind. Memes have this, it is a weird hypnotic thing they do, man. They have this power. And when you're tapped into memes, you're like, I know this sounds super nutty, but you are kind of tapped into the, to the group mind a little better. And you can kind of understand more what's going on with people emotionally, I feel. <laughs> Meme magic, bro. It's a meme magic part. Nobody talks about the compassionate element of meme magic. Nobody talks about the compassionate element. Yeah, but it's there. Okay, exactly. Okay, so that is nuts because I have like in my phone saved like this whole topic that that you're pretty much getting on and like how – I I was just thinking of it like – so. You know, I'm not trying to brag. I'm just trying to say that on Instagram I have 70,000 followers and all I do is just post spiritual memes. dude. All I do is spe- all wrong. I do is post spiritual memes. It gets like this week I've gotten 2.7 million hits on all the posts that I've had. And that's my dog. Good all job, I, you know, bro. Like, that's it's like literally the intention behind all of this is just to like kind of what you said, like make America esoteric again, make the world esoteric again, like get yes. like get people interested in these in these deeper topics. Just so that they would want to be pulled in more to the other things, because like I feel like these are more true than that's the why fake I fucks with you, Cody. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> that's why I like you. 
dude, I'm not gonna lie it's, it's and don't so take much, this the wrong it's way. So okay? much more. What? What? I knew that about you right away. I go, <laughs> okay, Cody's here to help us with the mission. That's the when I heard your podcast and I I, I understood what it was. I go. Okay, Cody's here to help with the mission. This is what he's gonna do to help with the uh, <laughs> to help with the mission. You feel me, Cody? Wink, wink. Yeah, yeah. Dude. This is all bigger than us. It's bigger than hip hop, dog. It's bigger than you and me. You feel me? There's there's something going through the culture right now, and we gotta play our parts. You feel me? The world's yeah, a stage. We're 100%. all players, and we gotta play our parts, dude. We all gotta come uh, chip in, help each other in the spiritual sense, like. You know, everybody's everybody's show, everybody's spirit, all our spiritual podcast guys, we got to make all of our individual yeah. shows as good as they can be. We need our genre to be like one of the best edited, best sound quality, mm-hmm. most uh, most trippy to listen to. You know, we got to make it the most exciting genre of podcasts that are out there, <laughs> all of us. And I feel like that's, it that's almost mission, like comes dude. natural. I feel like it comes <laughs> natural though. Yep. At least for the younger, at least of for the younger crowd, will. like I could, I could see like the older crowd, it would be a little stuffy, maybe a little bit like more manly P hall lectures, and, and getting stuff like that. But I mean, I, I feel well, like I'm able listen to, to like, my show because I do stuff on yeah. <laughs> if people want stuffy lecture type stuff, they can listen to my show because I I go you know that's a lot, a lot of times I'll just do presentations on things like you know so. Well, we can make it. Ha- that's the thing about this niche, niche broad, niche narrow casting thing is we can all be different and provide different things for di- you know what I mean. And it's all it's, yeah. uh It's the will of God, basically, is what I'm saying. Like Jesus is with you. <laughs> the, <laughs> the Christ is upon yeah. you, my friend. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Like, I mean. I don't know if I like needed like some kind of confirmation like from someone who's really been a little bit more down the path, but like it just feels like when I am truly moral and I'm sticking to the things that I know are right. And I feel like when you said like clairvoyance about clear seeing, like yeah. I've I've heard of that before, but like relating it to myself, I feel like on a lot of situations I'm able to be like, what what's everybody's hang up? Like why are you guys what what are you, what's so wrong here? Like, can't you just see this is like this is the best way to go? And like, why why do we got to act like this? Or why does it have to be like that? And it, so it, you so know it, what we mean. It feels like I could see. I could imagine see that. Imagine that you take that exact thing. Imagine you take that exact thing you're talking about right there. Exactly what you just said, mm-hmm. and you expand and expand and expand that. So it's like. When you say, when someone communicates an idea to you and you say, I see, meaning you understand, like, Mm -hmm. that's what we're talking about. I mean, that's the name of that Sephiro up at the top of the tree of life is understanding. So it's, it's, it's a way into the spiritual world. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, it's definitely a thing, dude. And the, the thing about is, is I have it too. A bunch of other people have it and we can all recognize it in one another. Without bigging up the ego, without being like, yeah. dude, you're one of the elect, bro. You're one of the special ones, bro. You're one of the you're one of the initiates, dude. You got esoteric knowledge, bro. Um right? It's not that. It's a real honest conversation about okay, I listen to your podcast, I see the way that you curate the conversation and 
I I'm I feel welcome to add my thing. I see I see it, you know, and I feel like I see you. Uh-huh. Okay. Being making this Thank good you, show that's benefit. So it's like it's all just us communicating as people on the journey and like we're all like you know we're on the the tree we're on the world tree and we're like hey buddy yeah and that's all it is i see you on that branch over there how's it going that's it (laughs) dude Dude, climbing awesome climbing up trying to get there uh yeah but i mean i would even say i think that stuff's important kind of going into like the mean magic thing real quick um yes like like what I, I've like had, like like just sitting here to myself, just thinking like, how is it that I'm able to affect my consciousness into like the cultural zeitgeist, and like how am I able to like, like put this positivity, like you said, almost like the compassionate side to to these things, right? Like out there into the universe and into other people's lives and stuff like that. Like all the while I'm saying this, like I I am like making the podcast, I am making the, um, you know the the Instagram page, and I get a lot of comments where it says it's making a difference in people's lives, and yep. I don't I mean, still it's it's I feel like it still needs to be bigger though I feel like it still needs to reach other people. Of course it does. It, it needs to keep it needs growing. To be the like, biggest I mean, it's thing. Just, it, yes. Exactly. It needs to be like the Kim Kardashian of the next, like the next big thing. Like it's just like people like into just learning the deep complexities about themselves and how it relates to everything else. And I mean, just being able to question everything that you were taught before and just seeing what's valid for yourself. How much time I mean, you I got, Cody? Because like, we got some stuff we could get into. I mean, I literally. I'm about, have to, I'm about until... to open up another topic, but. I was literally. I have until like nine o'clock next morning, so I have enough time. So you're good. We can talk yeah. about this stuff, okay? As long so look, as, as long as you would like to. I'm gonna open up my thermos here. I'm gonna open up my thermos here, and I'm gonna pour some distilled water because I only drink that hot distilled, bro. Hot <laughs> distilled. You you drink it hot because I have you lukewarm distilled on my uh, table right now. Nah, nah, it's not hot, dude. It's just. It's room temperature, but it's hot because it's dope. It's ill. You know what I mean? It's hip hop, bro. Get with it. All right. Oh, okay. Okay. I, all right. I know you're. So, I know you're totally with it. <laughs> so I'm gonna pour some of this in here. Sorry, I'm making fun of Alex Jones on um, Joe Rogan right now, where he goes, "All right, I'm gonna tell you what's going on here." And he, they get more whiskey, and then he says a bunch of wild shit. Um, so like. You 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 definitely have a uh, a power. Now again, I'm not trying to blow up your ego or anything like that, but you I don't know how you did it, dude. I'm gonna be honest. I work really hard at my podcast, and you're killing my numbers. So like, I'm looking at you going, this dude's this dude's like, this is his karma. Like this <laughs> this is like his, <laughs> this is him, dude. He's this guy who's been able to get all all the these eyeballs in this right way. And yeah. I mean, you just you you have a power. And the weird thing is, I get the vibe like you're you're Peter Parker, like you can be trusted with it. And like, uh, and I wonder. So I'm just gonna tell you my um, a, a thing I've only talked about in the inner circle, okay? And it's sort of a would you like me like a bit of a prophecy? 
No, 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 no. Fuck it. Let's just talk about it. That's what I'm saying. I poured some. Okay, I poured cool. some some just hot distilled. <laughs> okay, I got. You. I got I poured you that hot right, distilled, we're about dude. So interdimensional aliens now, or demons. I mean, yeah, interdimensional child molesters. That's what's about to happen, dude. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, esoterically. Okay, I'm just kidding around. Just kidding around. That's my way of settling in because I well, I want to talk about this. Um, so basically. What is going on is that this is some sort of weird transition time for the human race. That technology has sort of spellbound everyone. Like everyone's like, duh, screens. Mm. And so Mm. once kids get used to this, they're going to start looking for more. Like there's going to be a, a heightened interest in these things in the coming years. And the really critical thing about it is that in my opinion... Okay, so there's this sort of the the golden age of esoteric teachers was in Europe and America between like the 1700s and the early 1900s. There were a shit ton of dudes who were like really good occult scholars and really good occult teachers. Two of them are my my gurus, Rudolf Steiner we've already talked about and Paul Foster Case is the the um the other guy I'm really into nowadays and he uh his stuff is very magical but Really, really great. And they're just, those two, they work with my personality. Let's just say it like that. But there's a lot of other choices. So we have all these great teachers from the last, say, 250 years or so. And there was a time of the occult where, like, the power of the church culturally had declined enough that the occult could emerge more into public life. So you had a lot more people who were into, like, science and the occult. And it was definitely a thing for a while there. You know the book Dracula, the the story. You're familiar with it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm familiar. You remember Van Helsing in Dracula? Like I mean, I guess I only really know Van about Helsing. the. I only know. I only know about like the movie remake, Van Helsing. Oh, it's cool. So look, in the book, Van Helsing is like this guy they go see when they're having trouble with the vampire, right? Like the vampires, obviously something's going on and they only have suspicions. They don't know what to think because it's supernatural. So they go see this guy and his name's Dr. Van Helsing. And he's a doctor and he's a Christian. He's a good Christian, good Christian doctor, you know, respected and renowned and curious people. And he's also a student of the occult. And there's this part in the book where he goes, now look, I know you guys don't want to hear about this occult stuff. I know you don't. He doesn't say as literally. I'm just you know, summarizing. <laughs> yeah. He says to them, look, I know you don't want to hear about astral bodies and ghosts and telepathy and all this stuff. But your problem has something to do with this kind of stuff. So brace yourselves. Right. <laughs> and long story short is – Van Helsing represents this like archetype of a sort of 1800s, 1700s, 1900s kind of guy who is a really great professional in some field. Like he's a he's a service to the community and he provides very practical day to day aid to his fellow human being. But he's also this really great occult scholar who is a is a great initiate and a saint and who hides this fact and just serves his fellow human beings in secrecy, right? So so that's the Van Helsing archetype. 
He's the guy who knows how to get rid of the vampire. And he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. So he's like an established tradesman. So he's successful, basically. He okay. uh, He's Christian, so he's very moral. And he has a, a, you know, he basically serves God. And he's a student of the occult. So that allegory, right? That um, That archetype of Van Helsing. Yeah, that's who that's who all of these guys are. So all of the teachers from the last 250 years are reincarnating right now. Not all of them are here yet. Some of them are here. A lot of their students and guys who were like their friends are here. But Mm. a bunch of us from that time have returned. Like there's a lot of people right now who are young or haven't been born yet who are coming but the occult renaissance, we're going to see it because all these guys are going to start coming back one after the other. And so there's going to come a time where there's 50 dominant yoga radios that are better. And it might not be for a yeah. while. But like yeah. eventually the spiritual revolution is going to happen because it's going to be in popular culture. Like, And what's going to emerge is I think all these teachers returning. So the reason I brought up Van Helsing is because the vampire is materialism modern materialism this complete absence of the spirit and all these guys coming back are Van Helsing they're the ones who can help us get rid of the vampire and the vampire of course is just something in ourselves this isn't some cosmic battle between good and evil where we got to get Jedi powers it's all psychological essentially and about compassion and self-control but in the Western esoteric tradition, we like linear stories. We like mysteries. We like things that have beginning, middles, and ends. We like apocalypse. So I frame it in this way just to tell you, just to give you an idea of a concept. You know what I mean? Not to say that I'm being 100% factually oh, yeah. accurate, but to give you an idea of a concept that it's maybe something to meditate on. And maybe you can try to discover if you think it's true as well. Oh, yeah. No, I really I really like that. The, the concept 100%. I mean, I didn't even realize uh, like the, the true, like the archetype of, you know, Van Helsing and um, those things that you broke down about it. I just thought he was a vampire killer. So I'm glad you. Uh, yeah, no, it's way more subtle down. than that in the book. Yeah, Bram Stoker. Bram Stoker was, uh, I believe, a student of the occult. So, yeah. No, dude, that shit's amazing. Um, so we all got to play our parts, uh, you feel me? Wink, wink. Yeah. No, exactly. I feel you, dude. And um, <laughs> no, man, I, said all, I said all those things, like, you know, just to say, like, I want to I wanna promote your stuff, too. That's why I wanted to get it on the podcast. That's why, you know, this is going to be, like, a special uh, episode. Like, I, I, like, had this idea of, like, Thanks, uh, conver- conversations with conscious co-creators. And it's just, you know, just us being able to to get get these ideas out there into the zeitgeist however possible. And never shrink from your your curation uh, sense, brother. It's strong. And I'm not saying that to give myself a compliment. I'm saying it because I I believe in the mission. And, of course, it's anarchic. We don't have a leader of the mission. The mission is obviously God's will. So we're just following the the idea really but uh yeah. you got it man so like you know trust yourself brother I, I i do already i haven't known you that long i already trust you man 
That's something. You're a trustworthy cat. You got that. You got that vibe about you, Cody. You got that vibe <laughs> of a trustworthy gentleman. You know that. I mean, thank you so much. I, I would, I would want to say I agree. I mean, I, I try to present myself that way. I, I, I try to honestly live that way in like a true, like I don't know how to say it. Like when you talk about mindfulness and 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 how that's like one of the most sacred things that you could possibly do i don't know if that ties into Mm -hmm. any of these you know quote-unquote special things that i feel about myself but like i just feel like i've been more aware and more conscious of my surroundings and had questions about them and was seeking answers just innately and i mean i mean still to this day it's just you know just transforms and um i mean i'm just I don't know if it's like if, if it's tied into you know if you're just paying more attention that more good well it's work you did you happen. did work right <laughs> you did it was but wasn't it wasn't it also work it was effort I mean in what sense I mean when you were when you were looking for answers you were trying to find out things okay yeah you had the yeah, right okay. effort. Okay. Yeah, I got you now. So it was a type of yeah. action, you know. It was a type of motivated action, and one of the one of the aspects of the eightfold path, which is the path to being a Buddha, is right effort. You know, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of things about diligence and about asking questions and about just having a basic curiosity, not letting the inner child die, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know, you don't have a false modesty. No, dude, I like that a lot. That's the other thing. Because false modesty to me is the is the telltale sign. Like, I'll totally admit that I'm a green belt. Right? But I'm not gonna pretend like I don't know anything. And that's the other thing about this is there's a um the level of charlatanism is so high that we need to be all of us extra careful and really discerning, you know? And supportive in conversation. Like if we hear each other slipping up philosophically, like, dude, if I go way over the edge, you got to tell me, all right? You really do. 100%, dude. And I want you to hold me accountable too. And see that, then we'll be okay because there's not false modesty there. There's not like, oh, I'm lying out through my teeth, so I don't ever want anyone to call me out, so I'm never, ever going to address my friend who may be – went over a line or maybe made a mistake or something. I'm never going to, you know, have a private conversation with him about it because I don't want him to point. It's not that. So Mm. there's a weird uh, culture of silence with a lot of spiritual cats where they don't address the hard stuff. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's challenging and it's frightening to ask ourselves if we're all delusional if we're all just lying to ourselves, right? Are we just like, like that is literally like my biggest issue with a lot of everything. Like I went into like a metaphysical store and I absolutely loved the people there. I loved a lot of the things that they were selling and I was going with my friend and I was explaining a lot of the things to him. And like when he's like talking about like the meanings behind the different crystals and stuff like that. And I, I like, I'm trying to explain it to him. I feel like a lot of it's almost like the placebo effect. And that, that, that's what I feel like a lot of these, I mean, and I, I feel like I'm having, I have a lot of hard time. I mean, I guess that's just being more discerning that you might say, but, um, when I hear a lot of these fantastical things, like I just like kind of just or like super duper fantastical or just things that just don't feel right 
I just I'm able to write it off, and I mean not necessarily focus on it. I don't know, but so the thing about I mean, that is, very... is I think you're right. Yeah, finish your thought, please. No, I mean I was just all I was going to finish up and saying was like. I, you know, I appreciate all the really nice things that you're saying about me, and I feel like that's how I am to other people. Where I, I try to uh, really express the, the the things that I see in them that like I admire, and I, I mean yeah, more of that totally. would just be more uplifting. It's, I mean, in a beyond uh, any esoteric or other kind of other senses, deeper senses, it just like it would just bring everybody on a more positive level. Just by just explaining what you're yeah. appreciative, because I see the culture as it is now. A lot of like, I mean, even my own friendships, even other things like in the past, it's it's usually just negativity and just and talking down on people and situations and other things as opposed to it being anything kind of uplifting or, you know, even just it, nice between the, the two people that are having the conversation. Dude, it's so fun so, to I mean, notice what you like about people and then and tell them, you know, exactly, like it's man. fun. Yeah, it's it's a type like, of love that's like very. You can really just give it away all the time, and it feels great and for everyone. It's excellent. Why would you not do that? Yeah, complimenting people is very important to me. I think it's a huge thing because it means a lot to me. Like I take, and you've already given me amazing compliments. We just we just you know talked in private and stuff about it. So it's like, uh, so I feel, you know, like that's just a thing you do. When you realize like this, because the other thing is we got to stick together because we're all initiates because we're all weirdos with a capital W, right? We're all, <laughs> we're, we're on this esoteric path. We're living this esoteric life. Uh, so we got to stick together, man. We got to support each other. That's another thing. It's true. Like when I joined the Rosicrucians and I started hanging out at the chapter with all the older members, some people my age, but most of the people are older. They've been in a long time. They really notice when you're doing good. Like they really notice because they've done it. They've been down that path. They're pretty advanced. So they'll come up to you and be like, hey, man, you're evolving. You're doing it. And and like you'll get the this exact type of support that we all need, which is just this like, oh, here's a celebration of your good qualities. Let's just do it. Why would you only do that to your girlfriend? That makes no sense. Mm. You know? Um, mm. So... I don't know, but that that's that's just uh that's just part of my culture too. I'm from New Orleans, so we were very some of us are very like this. Um all right, so is there anything else you want to talk about, man? Go ahead cuz there's other things I could talk about, but I'm interested what you want to what you want to do. No, nah, man, I I'm honestly just fascinated with um, you know, just just your grasp on things and I mean I, I feel like I like coming at it like I don't want to seem like I want to be like a follower of you, but I would like to know the things that you come <laughs> across and the things that work for you, and uh, you know, see if I could try to implement these things in my life because I don't feel like I have any kind of like regiment. Like when you when I heard you talk about spiritual, um, when I heard you with the um, with the interview with the um, your friend that might be a mason. Is he, I don't know if he's your friend, maybe a listener. Yeah. Uh, that was a Mason. Yeah, and we, how, like, we do you would call in shows for the ritual. Yeah, like for the ritual aspect. Um, right. Like I've never had considered that. Like when, like when you when you started talking about those things, like when I w- when I would consider those things, like I would just feel like, oh, it's just boring. 
thing you have to go through that I don't understand and you know I don't get it like cool you just like shit, really, dude <laughs> you like really brought it like really brought it to life and like what like how you can actually gain from it by participating in the ritual and being mindful and trying to learn it uh, exactly yep yep it's so true it's so, so I mean it's true. just like I don't know like it's just uh, it seems like a lot of things where like I was completely that wasn't completely against like so I mean like I told you about my experience about um, when when I felt you know the Christ energy come over me, but then I would go to the yeah. church with him and it felt so inauthentic, and so it completely oh, yeah, rubbed me the wrong way and I, I just went. Yeah. <laughs> so it just it completely yeah. No, you know, let's get back to that because that's the answer. Yeah. Okay, go, I'm okay. sorry. Go on. Pardon me. No, no, no. I mean it's just like. With um, with I mean, it's just like the, I don't, there was really nothing for you to answer there. It was just like me saying, like, just kind of like breaking down, like how I got to the like, where I'm at now, and like that's what that's made very me important. Like, though, what you said, come at you and say, like, okay, well, I mean, I guess like so. I I feel like I had this actual real experience just within myself by um, you know, kind of realizing these, or I mean, not even realizing because I, I I knew it. But it's like I I put it out there to the to I mean I don't know everything like that's what mattered to me and like that's what I was gonna like um, tie yeah. myself down to like anchor myself to and like that's what that's what, it was gonna be something deeper than I mean these other things and then like I felt a genuine exp- I, a feeling come around me uh, and ex- and then when I would go to the actual. Um, you know, place that everybody was supposed to go to if you're a Christian or Catholic or what have you. It it just did. It was right. completely. It, it was so fake to me. I mean, and it, just, it was like I. It, it was like I I'm I'm somebody who's genuinely interested and in, and in like learning about like mm-hmm. really cool stuff. I would have to say, and like. If I could hear somebody mm-hmm. give me a lecture about the Bible and they, they really break down like the the aspects of how it can relate to your consciousness and, and the deeper um, like metaphors and analogies. But if I just if I just get told like this is like literally what happened and even though it doesn't really make sense to you, you shouldn't have a reason to question it. Just it's the word of God. And then there's that like it's just. Right. It's like every it's pervasive in all the culture. Like you, you realize what is wrong, or you don't even realize it. You just question because you have a feeling. Like what's going on here? You get uh, berated for asking the questions, and then I mean, either you're somebody who just is okay with that and just keeps going, or you're somebody that just wants to try to find out what the real shit that's going on. Right. And so like now I'm coming back full circle and I'm coming I'm listening to people who are are on a on like the esoteric Christianity bend of things or even just Christianity in general. I mean, uh, are you familiar with Never, Neville Goddard? No, I'm not. Okay. He's a he was somebody who um was doing lectures and stuff um in like the 40s, 50s and 60s and he he had like a theater uh-huh. background. He had a theater background. Whoops, I missed and, uh, I missed him. <laughs> I missed one, sorry. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I feel like you would really like the guy. I mean, I would he I would say he even yeah. like kind of like form almost formed the like the modern law of attraction, like maybe even like taught the people who who got into the law of attraction type stuff. Um 
but he yeah. he's, he explains that that uh, he says Christ is the imagination, and that Christ is like hmm. the, that by using your imagination. That I mean, that's just like, and he just talks about different um, aspects of like the different characters in the Bible are just different parts of you at certain different times in your life, and that you'll come across these hmm. different characters in your life. And like when I get when I get that kind of information, like I would just, I would sit there for hours. I would like I would devote my whole life to that kind of stuff. But like when I would like exactly. come across it, it's just like you know, he, here's just one person reading something that's boring. You know, here let's do these songs that I don't understand. Like it, it's it's not done in necessarily a way that like would attract me into it. But like if I look at it now, like I want to be into something where you're doing like ritual chanting and like there's like a group of people getting together about like a real cause or you know like a real like i don't know behind something like i'm so down for it now as opposed to yeah dude joining groups is underrated actually in our generation like and would you also maybe kind of like um i heard i heard you say uh the egregore of the um like what like memes were like the egregore of like the internet or whatever so could you yeah. – I mean I've heard the concept okay, so before and I've tried to things. explain it to friends and I feel like it relates to groups. <laughs> OK. So we got a couple of things I want to unpack but I'll, we'll do that first. I do want to talk about the the different experiences that you had with your friend when it was real and at church when it was fake. We got to talk okay. about that. But let's let's answer the first question. What is the egregore? Well, this is something I tried to figure out a while back and I got some help. So I'll pass that along. Um Egregore basically means group mind. It's nothing more complicated than that. If you are a practicing telepath, this is going to make a lot more sense. And you'll probably already understand what it means. But basically, <laughs> your consciousness is, is, is an energy. Your consciousness is a field. It's an energy field and it seems to be a non-local field. Like it's very weird. It, uh, it's something science just doesn't have the technology to measure yet, but it will eventually. It might take a while, but it's going to happen. And your consciousness is basically a real, real thing. It's a real energy. That's what Steiner was saying. One of the great tragedies is that Steiner lived and taught before quantum physics and before mm. uh, uh, the Naj Hammadi Library. The Naj Hammadi Library, the Gnostic Gospels that got yeah. discovered in nineteen yeah. in the nineteen forties. He died before both those things really got going. I can't imagine what he would have done with those, but that's that's history. So I don't like to do a lot of the pseudoscience because I respect science and I know that I don't understand it. But I will say this that the more I learn about modern science, the more it does confirm um what mystics have been saying for a long time. And the religions are wrong. That's that's absolutely correct. The traditional religions have it all wrong. <laughs> they they're not good at the God stuff. Uh, they're not good at it. But the uh, occult traditions and all the different religions that hide under all the re- religions um, do know what's up and have always known what's up. And that's why the mystic traditions have always been in agreement across the religious lines, like. An esoteric Muslim, an esoteric Jew, an esoteric Christian have no problem understanding one another um, mm. and getting along. Yeah. So that's the thing is like there's always been the true esoteric thing. Um, and one of the things that we kind of hold on to 
in modern times is the idea that consciousness is real. It's a field. It might be the foundation of everything. And that's why telepathy does work. If you study remote viewing, you get into it, you get a book called Remote Viewing by David Morehouse, and you spend three months and you do everything he says in the book. You learn it really well. You'll be able to do enough psychic stuff to convince yourself that psychic stuff is possible. Mm-hmm. So once you get to a point where you recognize that the mind is a field of energy, it's a real energy, and that the transference, the ability for that mind to expand out across space and time is possible. If you come from there, then an egregore makes total sense. So you got human consciousness, which is real energy, and which reaches out over space and time with ease. And then you have a lot of humans. So you put those together and you have a bunch of people with this energy around them that's moving all around in these non-local ways. And then you realize that, oh, it's all interacting. So the place in the spiritual world, so to speak, where all of our consciousness energy is interacting, that's the, the egregore, the group mind. Does that make sense? Thank you for breaking that down. Yeah, though, no, you broke it down thoroughly. Yeah, like, I mean, so uh, when I, whenever I was like first initially brought to the concept, it just felt like it was like more like ritual. I mean, I like I I, per, I love how you perfectly broke broke it down, man. So yeah. Well, so here's the thing to tie it back to the ritual thing. So real ritual is telepathy. Uh, real ritual. So it all comes back to telepathy being real. This is why the so-called parapsychology is so important because when you do the remote viewing for yourself and you establish for yourself that mind is more than just um, biochemical local activity, it's something that does have the ability to move outside of the body. When that happens, that's basically what happens in every religion when you realize you have a soul. So all religions teach certain things that are true. You have a soul, meaning you have a consciousness. There's something in you that's non-physical that has this like immortal thing and it's going to continue on when you die in some kind of way. Go somewhere else because it's a real thing and we know it disappears, right? You ever notice that when people die, they're not there anymore because they're just Mm -hmm. a body, but the body is still there because the energy that was enlivening the body, the soul, has departed, but it did go somewhere because energy doesn't get destroyed. So it's very simple. It's very kind of obvious. And like uh, this energy, it has different means of expressing itself. So like the meme... Right, The meme represents all of us agreeing on a symbol. Right, So a symbol that we all agree on and enough of us agree on it. And then we look at the same symbol. So we're all looking at the same meme in a sense. We're not literally doing that because it's just a copy on our own device. But in a mm-hmm. sense, we're a group of people looking at the same symbol with an agreed-upon meaning. And I know there's, of course, variation in that agreed-upon meaning. Some people, the symbol means more of this, more of that. But in general, there's a generalized sense of what the symbol means. So then you have a telepathic thing that actually reaches out between the people 
and creates the effect that you felt with your friend in the room. So there was something wow, about the way that you experienced that ritual with him that was an authentic mm-hmm. ritual that caused some yeah. sort of mystical experience to occur. There we go. So if you got in the right Mason Lodge with the right Masons and, and you were really into the rituals, dude, you could be having those kinds of experiences all the time because the Masons do the rituals over and over and over again. So to me, participating in rituals is a chance to have a mystical experience. And that goes back to what we said at the beginning. What's one of the ways to induce it without drugs? Rituals. Would you be able to explain... Rituals have this deeper thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Beth. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to hear what you're going to say. Oh, I mean, I... When I when I came across it, I heard you talk about it. I was wondering what a god pose was. Oh, it's just where you act like a statue. Like you know, they have all kind of statues of gods. Okay. So yeah. one of the theories about about god statues is that they're they're like meditative yogic poses that people would use to invoke the specific deity. Okay, I got you now. So like, if you see if you see a bunch of gods with the same kind of pose then to maybe invoke that god you would take that pose it's an old like idea the, yeah like cross okay, cultural I idea okay oh, I like that mm-hmm. like if if everybody in China does uh you know in ancient times erects this amazing dragon thing and they do this crazy dragon dance then at some point that was a real ritual that people believed brought in the 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 serpent energy and the dragon energy which is obviously related to chi anytime you see some kind of you know dragon or snake it's all related to <clears throat> it's all related to chi so there was probably a time and it probably still happens at places in China, I don't know much about China but I can give you an example. If you had some wild dragon dance thing, that at some point, that was an occult ritual that was designed to energize the chi of all the people doing the dance. And the people doing the dance, man, they probably had some crazy experiences. Yeah. They probably had some tripped out experiences while they were doing <laughs> those dances. So, like, all that kind of stuff is the way it got done most of the time. You know, these mystical altered states were mostly induced in in natural means, in natural ways, mostly, um, because it's just practical, you know, and that's one example. So, like, we were talking on the dominant yoga board, we were talking about uh, in Christianity, the communion, the bread and the wine. And we kind of came to the conclusion that there's something definitely magical about it. And it is a sort of magical ritual to invoke the Christ. That's kind Mm. of the theory we came up with, that the Christ is a great spirit. And in order to invoke the Christ into our being and to truly imitate Jesus, because Jesus was a man who got possessed by a spirit known as the Christ, right? And... That's why he was the new Adam and he changed everything forever because this being had never inhabited a human before. So Mm. maybe there's this magic to certain things in the Christian ritual. 
And it's a real profane act to have a church service that's devoid of that kind of energy. And so, like, by relating it back to the chi dance, right, you see what I'm saying? Like, if you're doing communion and on on the board we were saying that we were probably all going to do our own version at home. Like, because we think the ritual is so cool, the bread and the wine – we think it's so cool and it's so mystical that we all just want to reappropriate it and use it in our own our own mm. home temples. <laughs> yeah. And I'm definitely going to do it <laughs> because – Oh, my gosh. To me, that's, it, that's what's going on with your experience. It sounds like you had a real thing because it was two of you in an authentic – I mean, dude, when you start doing church at your house, bro, you really get the vibe that you're supposed to feel, you know? Okay. And okay. something like a cool a cool Mason Lodge or the Rosicrucian chapter that I attend where we do rituals, very solemn rituals, and we do them repeatedly. Like when I have that experience, I'm like, wow, this is what church is really supposed to be like. And for some people it is. There are congregations that are authentic in mainstream Christianity, bro. It does exist. So I gotta I gotta say that as a caveat, but we're talking about your experience, right? Which is totally yeah. as valid as any anything else. So um, the fact that, so when you go to like a mystic lodge and we do a ritual and we all share in it solemnly, you know, um, cause it's not a religion. It's not dogmatic. It doesn't have all the negative controlly vibes. It doesn't tell you anything about what you can and can't do in your personal life. Like really, really it's a, a shared mystical viewpoint and a shared series of rituals. And it's not about like a list of things you can't do in your personal life. That's specifically left out of it, right? So it's not a religion or a dogmatic thing in that way at all. But what it is is a system of ideas and a series of rituals that we do agree on. And those are divine concepts because they don't divide us as people. They bring us closer together in a a healthy, authentic, inspiring way where we are self-actualized by doing it. We're made better people who think more freely, not less, you know that's the real purpose of a <clears throat> of an esoteric lodge is to make you into a better person not a worse person a stronger thinker not a worse thinker a calmer kinder peace more peaceful person right so sharing in these rituals i realize okay that's what church is supposed to be but it isn't a lot of the time yeah man i can see that um and and like it, it made me like when I heard you talk about it on the show on Dominant Yoga Radio, you you said that like I mean that there are genuine authentic churches that you can feel like the spirit of Christ being there, and like I mean it just made me think back to the the story of just that I, I relayed to you and just like it was it made it like click for me that like I mean that it, there is authentic authenticity behind some of these things and it's just that you know just that one particular experience for me i mean just because that i don't need to right to just completely throw it all away or whatever and and the same way that you talk about like the uh you know these other kind of um these brotherhoods like it's been something i've been interested in but you know in the conspiracy circles it's so you know these are like the evil the evil <laughs> people yeah you know what i'm saying and but i know i know from a, a more nuanced perspective and more deeper perspective it's not like that but i don't want to get into something where it just feels like 
like, like what I want to ask you is like, I know with, for, for with your people, like how much of it do you feel like they're on the, the same kind of vibe with, as you when it comes to like, they're doing the ritual and they're going to, they're getting the same kind of stuff you're getting out of it and they're, they're going into it for the same reasons or, I mean, similar reasons. Well, every, every, everybody's different, but I mean, there's, is a general thing that I think everybody's getting out of it. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't know if everybody would talk about it the way I do or would describe it the way I do. I think everybody would have a different version of it. But I can say in a general way, I think people like Masons and Rosicrucians who do these rituals and get a lot out of them, I think they would pretty much agree with what I said. That it it transcends social boundaries. So, for example, in Amork, uh, in the Rosicrucians, is there's actually – it's men and women. And there's no, um, okay. you no know, boundaries. There's no barriers to entry in that way. So – okay. You have people of all races, people of 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 both genders, um, and the fact that we share philosophy. <laughs> 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 the fact that we share philosophy and share a ritual framework, right? We do transcend all of those differences. And entering a temple together, it is a it is a removing of the mask of personality and a stepping into the higher self. So even if you know, on on this ritual, you were kind of out of it, and you weren't paying perfect attention, and you had stuff on your mind, and and mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't get in the zone, right? Even if you did that, the fact that you attended a solemn ritual and you did go through the motions, at least it will have a power because this ritual is chi; it's it's energy in your body. It's not playing around. Um. So when mm. it's a group of people, I'm sure there are times when some people are more nervous or maybe they're out of it. Or, But then you have most everybody who is deeply into it and solemn and truly and expressing a true experience with the ritual. And within, we all probably experience it very differently. Like I get really okay. hung up on individual words and they sort of ring in my head and it blows my mind for minutes at a time. Other people go into deep trances. They just go into trances and have Mm. crazy spiritual experiences. Um, Other people sometimes will be a little nervous and maybe they don't enjoy it as much as everybody. Maybe they're uncomfortable that day or they're sick or something like that, right? So it could be all those things. But the idea of an egregore is that it's bigger than that. So there's a power that we tap into when we share in this group mind. Um, and I know that's that might sound like a thing that freaks people out, but when you voluntarily join with a, with an egregore that's good, it's a good thing, just to be clear. Like there are a lot of cults out there, and we didn't talk about this side of it, but one thing I do do on Dominant Yoga Radio is occasionally expose a, a charlatan or a, a thing that's trying to deceive people. Because it is good to point out the differences every once in a while. And yeah, when you join like a group of mystics, you are kind of joining a group mind and egregore type of deal. But if it's a group of good people that you'd hang out with and that you'd have over for dinner and that you basically think are amazing, you know, like people like yourself kind of, but just from different walks of life and different ages and things like that, which has been my experience, then it's fine. 
you're joining something good. You're joining something that is positive that will help you. And I can tell you, dude, I got a lot healthier mentally, physically, financially. Being part of a mystery school was what I needed when I needed it, man. And it was like an authentic um, religious experience. It gives you the motivation to snap out of out of your delusions. But it's gentle. It's basically passive and just waiting for you to make use of it. You don't get kicked out for not being a good enough mystic or not being good enough at the magic. Like you don't get kicked out for that. You, you're in. You, you know what I mean? You're, yeah, you're, I got you're you. one of us. It's fine. So, so it's like it's just sitting there waiting for you to make use of it. It's never forcing itself on you. It's never making you think this or not making or making you not think that. It'll never do that to you. Mystery school will never do that to you. Mystery school just sits there and waits for you to make use of it. But when you're ready, yeah, no, I, I get it's really, yeah. you know. So that's how it was for me. Is the reason I say that <laughs> because that's how it was for me. It really mm-hmm. came into my life at that time. And I was like, oh, my God, here are these tools that I can use. And I'm still still trying to make use of them. But I've definitely made some progress, you know, and I've, I've seen it. Yeah. So. No, I mean, I, I 100% feel that way. I mean, that's that the way. only thing about that. Like, I, I just want it, like, when I, when I think of it, like, it's not like you can just, like, shop around, it doesn't feel like, when it comes to these things. Like, when it comes to the different <laughs> kind of societies or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And, like... You know, the same way yeah. that I, I I would appreciate how you you were able to come across Rudolf Steiner's work and and distill the fact that that was a uh, you know one of the one of the better ways to go about like kind of like the self initiation process and learn about a lot of these things like yeah I just you know like it, is like the how do you go about looking at into Rosicrucianism I mean is it, it like able to walk in and see you want practical how things are going. Yeah. All right, so if you are interested in the Rosicrucian Order, Amork, for example, uh, they have open house events. So you look up, um, you you do a Google for AMORC, Amork Lodge. Oh, no, I've come across it for sure. And you do a. Okay. Right. And so then you look up their thing and you email them and you say, hey, I'm curious about the order. Or there's like any open events that I can come attend, and there will be. There'll be some kind of meditation thing or something cool you can come to, and and also you can always just come and visit, and there'll be people there uh, when there's people there who you can talk to. So like you you can just go and check out a group of people, um, and see if you want mm. anything to do with them. It's totally true. You can do that with Masons too. Well, there apparently I haven't done it yet, but apparently. You know, there there's some kind of vetting process or interview process, and there's there's stuff about it. But and I can't speak for Masons because I'm not one. But um, I know for for the Rosicrucian chapters and lodges, you can just email somebody and go hang out and see what's up and talk to them about it and ask all the questions you have. They'll be there and they'll be cool. If they're not cool, then maybe you don't want to do that. But uh, exactly. they'll probably be cool. <laughs> you feel me? So that's the thing. And you can always just go find out. Um, there's no voodoo that anyone's going to put on you. <laughs> it's nothing like that. So nah, yeah, nah, if you're curious, go check that. it out. But yeah, I don't, I don't definitely recommend people join things. I mean there are correspondence courses you can take where – you know, you spend all this money on books anyway. You spend all this money on occult literature, 
And there are groups who've organized this stuff into really good, comprehensive courses. And you can check mm. stuff like that out and see if you like it. And like, for example, AMORC and BOTA, Builders of the Aidatum, right? They have correspondence courses. You sign up for them. Costs a little bit of money, but not much. And you get the teachings, right? And you can just start checking out the teachings and checking out the knowledge and see if you like it. And then if that strikes a chord, then like with AMORC, you can actually join and start receiving the monographs and the the uh, study, the home study lessons. And if you like it, they give you about three months of stuff. And then if you're into it, they say, hey, why don't you go check out one of your local affiliated bodies if there's one near you, you know? And it's all very mellow and it's like, just check it out. Try it. I get a lot out of it. You know, it has its critics like anything does. It doesn't have anywhere near as many critics as some things do. Boy. But um, it's <laughs> it's pretty simple. Does that make sense? Like, is that enough details or is there other specific oh, stuff no, you oh, no, that's, about it? No, that's 100%. Um, and then I guess just the other kind of question I had because I kind of going into like the egregore sense into it too. Like how much of it would you say like if you had to put a percentage – is it in like the idea of Rosicrucianism like provides like this space for people who are attracted to it to come? And so like if you're interested into like when you when you do delve a little deeper and you do find some kind of interest, like you could kind of almost kind of rest assured that the, the people who are uh, are like minded in that sense and like it, it, like because like what I'm worried about is like am I going to come come across the local group around me maybe isn't necessarily that cool or that into the same stuff that I'd be into or isn't that into teaching it from, you know, somebody from the beginning or, you know, or have, what have you in any of these aspects of it. Um, I just don't want Can you to paint me to a, like, a picture of, a, of your worst case scenario. Like what is the specific thing that would happen that would like represent what you're saying? I guess just the idea of it almost being like school where you're just going through the motions and you're not being told what you're doing. <laughs> and just like, very, I'm very just like, unlikely. I'm just <laughs> yeah. Very unlikely because there'll always be someone there who's enthusiastic about explaining it to you. Um, very unlikely that you'll, you'll find like a dead temple basically very unlikely. Is that is that what you're asking or? There we go. Yeah, th that's that's exactly it. I mean, it's just like, uh, I mean, you know, I guess if you if I'm coming from it, like where people are, are denigrating it or making it seem one one type of way, I just you know in my eyes I'm just thinking, oh hey, it's um, um excuse me that it's um just a bunch of old white guys and you know it's not going to be very inviting environment. Uh, and, and teaching environment or what have you, um, right? I guess you know it's just a pre it's a it's um, a preconceived notion that I you know I was just hoping to be dispel. And I mean, it certainly sounds like um, you know the, the Rosicrucian way uh, how it's like it's not just men and it's just not just any certain race or anything. It just seems more open. Well, yeah, and that's why I'm a little. So I'm a little more comfortable recommending it because it doesn't it doesn't have the social stigmas in a lot of ways because it it's it's earned the right to not have them. Um uh since since the early day I mean it was started in 1915 so it's been this way for a long time 
and that's pretty <clears throat> bold. It's a pretty bold thing to do. It kind of is very similar to something like Freemasonry. It is a mystery school. Um, so the fact that it's always been socially progressive in that way, like that's pretty, that's pretty solid, man. That's pretty, you earn a good reputation by being that in my book. So like since way back in the day, you know, and um, I think it's a little easier to recommend because of that. So I would say it like this, man, you may find a place that's not for you. You may. Um, Cause I just don't know. I haven't visited, uh, all the other places, all the other Rosicrucian temples. I haven't, I don't know the people I've met some from other ones and they were super cool. So I get the vibe that like you're in Florida. Is that true? Did you say yeah. that earlier on the show? Yeah. Is that okay? To I say? feel like I'm there's, sorry, I didn't even ask. No, no, I have no, I have no qualms. Um, like the, the area that I'm yeah. at, um, it's like, it's, it's, it's called Newport, Richie, Florida. I feel like there's some some like pretty pretty deeper things behind behind the the surface layer than I would expect. Like um, I I would hear that like a lot of mafia bosses would have like this is where they would set up <laughs> um their 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 places down yeah. south was Newport Richie. Um, it was good. It was like kind of like posed to be like the new Hollywood on over this side. Like a lot of um, kind of like famous people would be coming here and they would stay at like the local um, hotel that's around here and stuff like that. And yeah. I mean, I, I feel like there's like some kind of like, you know, spooky stories that you would hear about other stuff or whatever. But um, when I come like I, I found that there's this dude who um, like he the 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 golden or the, the hermetic order of the golden dawn, pretty much the guy that like revivified it like literally lived on the street behind me for like my whole time growing up <laughs> which one do you know who he was do you his know name's like name cicero cicero or something like i feel like his last name was and i mean mm. i looked into the dude and he didn't look like he was a real good guy at all like he looked <laughs> like he had some really shady things like i mean it's one thing beyond the looks itself Look, but dude. like reading yeah. some of the people that would have some some bad stuff so yeah. like it's like oh i would want to go talk to this guy and get into this but then i'm like oh shit like he seems like i mean like it's like something like to the extent of like it was like a cult type of thing and i'm like okay definitely not so i got what i got from steiner because i got into rudolph steiner before i got into any kind of group or anything right what i got from him was a real good sense of what the authentic thing looks like like he was the mm -hmm. archetypal occult guy like he was a fairly flawless occult personality when you really get right down to it. The fact that his weird esoteric experiences created what is probably the the best form of alternative education in the world right now, in the West at least. <laughs> I mean Waldorf School is getting all kind of props now for being like really brilliant because now they don't have screens and they don't let technology in there in their, uh, for young kids in the, in the schools. And Waldorf school is a thing that basically Steiner created. He opened the first one before he died. Um, and it's based subtly. I mean, they don't teach his philosophy. They don't teach his religion. There's none of his stuff is not in there. There's no occult knowledge class uh, in the school. It's just a regular school, but 
it's designed in a way which is based on subtle esoteric principles and that's not the only field he contributed to there's a form of homeopathic medicine that was created from his stuff and by him that is big in Europe there's a form of banking there's a form of agriculture known as biodynamic farming which you may have heard of so the fact oh, yeah. that this dude who is this he was this wild occult guy right and he came up with all these ideas that were like so practical and so so helpful i see him as a saint basically to me he's a christian saint I'll tell you the whole rub right now. I think he was the reincarnation of somebody who was around in the days of Jesus. Maybe somebody who was with John or St. Paul or somebody like that. Maybe he was one of those guys. I don't know. But he had a possession of the religion. He understood it in like this ancient way that I've never found anybody else Mm. who understood it in the way he did. And it was almost like he had the inside scoop. And like I said, this is before Dead Sea Scrolls, before the Gnostic Gospels. And he wasn't right about everything, but he was right in certain very deep esoteric ways that have been confirmed by like scholarship that happened 70 years after he he died and stuff. So there's certain things he seems to have had like inside insight. And then you combine the fact that he's this crazy Christian religious guy with this amazing version of Christianity that's totally integrated into like the modern world and completely works with real life. You have that, but then you also have this dude who's inventing all these systems for helping the world. And you end up with basically the archetype. Like that is what the occult legend is. It's that you get so psychic, you get so advanced you get so clairvoyant that you just start helping everyone. And so maybe it doesn't manifest in like a simple way all the time. But when you look at his life and his effect on the world after he died, he did it. And something tells me Waldorf school is going to become a lot more important as time goes on, given the education crisis we have, right? Oh, my goodness. Things like that are going to start to become more. The wisdom of this this dude's going to become more and more recognized as time goes on. And I look at him because of all that as a saint, and I don't think that's unreasonable. I think that's pretty like rational if you can call such a thing rational. Uh, because what else has he got to do? <laughs> I mean, what else does he ne- never be mean to people ever? Be a super nice guy always? Yeah, he did that too. You know, he's apparently this really loving person. Gave all his time to others. You know, ministered to people, but he did. He was a Gnostic yeah. Christian saint, though. You know, and he was a scientist too. Yeah. He was really educated in in uh, science and philosophy and literature. So, to me, the religion continues forever. Because it's eternal. And Christianity is a living thing that includes the esoteric Mm. stuff. So if we look at it like that, then Steiner was a saint. He was a Christian saint. He's Saint Steiner, the patron saint of scientists. That's who he is. And to me, that's pretty reasonable. I don't think it's unfair. I don't think he didn't earn it. So... uh, when I look, when you look at it like that, it's a lot easier to me to understand what 
the religion is all about in general and what religion is about in all ways. So you get into St. Steiner, you get, so I have this grandiose story of him in my mind. So I understand what like a guru really is. Do you feel me? Like when you know what it really is, it's easy to tell a fake. They're not going to be as great as he is in my mind because obviously I adore him more than all the others. But when I recognize another true guy, like I get real into Edgar Cayce, I go, I see it because I know what the characteristics are. And I see those characteristics in this other other person as well. And so if we have like what we where we have is the super psychics like Steiner and Casey and people like that. Then then it becomes easy to say, okay, well then there's gradations. Then it goes down from there, and that's us, bro. We're just people trying yeah. to be as cool as them. Yeah, and we're no, not. Exactly. Like, we're not as cool as, as, as them, but we're we're trying. <laughs> yeah, as you're explaining, uh, you know Steiner's story, I was just like, you know, I don't, I know that I don't necessarily have, you know, that that the capabilities of achieving all of those things, but I surely would love to strive. And tr- to try to work in, a, in his footsteps to, you know, bring some of those ideas and implement some of my own along the way to, you know, help do yeah, more yeah. for other people, certainly, and for, you know, for society as a whole. And, like, I just don't – I don't know how that – I mean, I guess I do know how because I've been in the, you know, these frame of minds at points in my life. Just, like, how you just want other people to be down just because you're down or – you just want you know, like right. negative things for other people, and I, I just at this point in my life and and at my form of understanding, like I just don't see how that's healthy at any point. Like, what? There's no reason we couldn't all just be like succeeding and being um, helpful to one another, succeed, and to like just make it a really good time. Because like I've been in a workplace where yeah, um, other people are just like they don't like each other and they just talk back talk behind each back each other behind each other and then i've been into this workplace that i have now where it's super uplifting and positive and we all just want to do better for each other outside of work not even doesn't even really matter about the work and like it's completely different and it, like like that's how society could be if you know we if we all cared enough to act that way and like that's why i want to inspire into people i mean and, and just try to live that way yeah it really could be it really could be like fine for everyone. It doesn't it it doesn't have to be like this. It really is the matrix. It's some kind of weird dream. And I said this one time on the show that like if you went to work and everyone was a Buddha, and it sounds kind of like you have some version of this, some <laughs> some some part so of that. That's why that blew my subtle. mind. I said before. Right. If you went to work and you were a Buddha and everyone else was a Buddha, it wouldn't even seem like work. It would just be part of your life and you'd be totally happy. Like if everyone in the society you interacted with was enlightened and wonderful, then nothing you had to do would seem taxing. Nothing would seem, you know, be a little bit of effort, but effort's just part of life. That's how you look at it. You wouldn't even worry about things. Like, yeah. So. It's very true that if we just had a higher consciousness and it was more common, that the the human reality would be totally different. Yeah, and I kind of totally see it. Different. I kind of see it like now. It's just that um, through the the generations, it seems like a lot of people have dropped the ball, 
like in their own lives and in their families' lives into not wanting – I mean and it's also you know conditioned in one sense and set up in other senses and like – you know, reinforced so that whoever, whatever priest class or whatever power that's in, you know, that is in power at the time, you know, gets, gets the, whatever they want. So I understand all those things, but I feel like we've just like dropped the ball over these long periods of time where if, you know, we just start within our own selves doing better and then within our own families doing better and then like just let that permeate permeate like exponentially because there's people that i would have never had any kind of spiritual conversation with or any kind of like deeper kind of thing and that are completely obsessed with this stuff now and we're wanting to do better in their lives and and make positive changes uh you know just beyond themselves as well and right it's just it's, it's just and it's only simply because I was out there posting the memes and talking about the stuff and like just kind of just showing like hey there's a there's a different way of like being like it's been so long I don't even like I don't really get upset like I mean like with your with your one podcast like it's it's like you don't really get depressed about things like it, it doesn't really truly bring you down so much to a certain level like I'm sure there's there's certain yeah, things that truly. could happen in my life yeah. there's there's certain things that could happen in my life that you know could definitely you know, bring me to tears and, 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 you know, really, really hit me hard. But all the calamities and stuff that have been happening in my own personal life, they don't seem to affect me deeply. And it, I don't let it stress me. Like, I don't like, I don't really live a stressful life. I don't, I don't see how, I don't, it almost seems hard. I think people are putting their, they're making their life harder by just making the stress when it doesn't have to be there. And I almost feel like that's another part of like the clairvoyance and being able to see clear. Like I just like, like what what's making you so upset about that? <laughs> you know, like well, it is yeah, like affecting. I mean, you know, yeah. So, so I mean, I guess if I was just yeah, gonna finish dude. it up, like you know, it's not that hard work once you start getting along this and like being like a really a good person. And then if you just like, if you're just able to do that within your own family and the next family you raise, like. I could see in, in some future generations where it would be this occult renaissance where you know people are more open to merging spirituality and science and seeing all the the magical things that could happen like you know what what I would imagine what um ancient Egypt or what Atlantis could have been like in a, in a modern sense. Like I could see it actually happening Thank in our you, lifetime. Dude. It would be so different to live in a society that was like there were a lot of Rudolf Steiners and like Edgar Casey's were common and like this was a thing and we had a system of figuring stuff out where we would have science and we would have hard science and we would have everything good about science which is like the hard line rational binary thinking in certain respects of science we'd have that like the methodology yeah Yes, but we'd also have science, like in many of the ways it does exist in modern times, which are amazing, okay, in many, many ways, and so vital to the to the well-being of humanity and the future evolution of humanity. Okay, we have that good stuff. We have the good part about science and everything, and super we're super supportive of it. And then at the same time, this is utopia, right? At the same time, <laughs> we have a very intense 
a very intense mystical tradition. Um, different religions, but a sort of synthesis also, a natural desire for people to have a sort of somewhat agreed upon philosophy, but also differing schools. So a way you could do this is by having like, you know, some people paint Atlantis as being this place where everybody was in a mystery school. So mm. there were certain rituals that the entire society agreed upon. And we do these rituals together. So even if we're different religions or we have different philosophies or different views about scientific theories and what we should do with them, different politics, no matter what, we have certain rituals that we all get together and we do the rituals together. And we do those with full awareness that that is our time to dissolve the social boundaries in order to remind ourselves that we're gods and that we're in this together and that we got to be thinking about what's best for everyone while also respecting the rights of the individual, right? To remind us of these like foundational uh, truths of, of virtue. And so like the ideal situation would be where we had an intense mystical tradition alongside an intense scientific tradition and the two things were supportive. Like there were, there were plenty of atheists, but a lot of the mystics a lot of the scientists, I mean, were also mystics. Like a lot of scientists would just be mystical because they would go, look, it looks like there's a god, so I'm kind of worshiping it by being a scientist anyway. So I might as yeah. well <laughs> just worship worship God by doing science and just admit it. Um, DJ Tandem totally does. My uh, The dude who I do the podcast with, who's a real scientist, he's also a DJ, so yeah. keep his name off the books. Yeah. And... Um, but he totally admits it. He's a scientist, but he goes, yeah, it's kind of God. Like it's kind of <laughs> – it's kind of – it's definitely a field of intelligence. Like there's no doubt about that. So it's an, it's intelligently structured. You know, we don't need to use the word designed because we don't want that, that connotation mm -hmm. with pro-science, mm -hmm. right? But we are mm -hmm. saying that like the laws of science are so weird at this point that it just seems more and more like, yeah, there's kind of this – thing this field of everything that everything's inside of and it's run by these like divine mathematical laws it's really weird so it kind of seems like there's a deity i'm not saying yeah. science proves a deity i'm not deepak chopra you know trying to like make science mean things it doesn't mean but i'm saying if we just look at what science means and we meditate on those meanings we might come to a mystical conclusion that yeah, kind of looks like God everywhere, right? So to me, that's a fine line, but that would be the best society. Like DJ Tandem said, the richest experience that human beings could have would be a society like that. No, that's amazing. I mean, and that, I, I see that being like a merging of like both hemispheres of your brain. And like that kind of even ties into yeah. like what I was thinking about as you're saying that as all of what we would call existence, I've heard you say, is like like we're in God's mind. And I mean, I, even to tie it yep. into like my the theme of my podcast is like that we are like the conscious people that are able to see this, you know, like beings to be able to see this and to to then kind of like play in this dream dream world and use our imaginations and all the, you know, the things around here to be able to make the different con you know, the things around us. And I, I want to use it 
all these tools for positive reasons, like true altruistic. Right. Like the same way that you say, if you ever get any kind of decent amount of money, you just want to give half of it away. Like not in the way that yeah. Bill Gates does it so that, you know, it's just that um, I would say nefarious causes get spread all across the world. Like I would want to do it where literally every like Tesla, you know, Wardenclyffe Towers are everywhere around the world and everyone has free free energy. And then, you know, everyone has basic basic necessities are taken care of and then that we're able to then just focus on these like deeper aspects of things because right. I just see everyone getting caught up and I mean even almost like if you think about it um, spiritually if you want to take it as like a, a metaphor if there's so many people around the world that are like still starving and still hungry and you know are, are suffering from all these um, STDs and all these other things it's like they have like these problems with like just the very core like the root chakra of of like what's going on or whatever like there's all these other things that we got to heal first before we can get to a point where we can ever think yeah. of it as like a truly being a utopia like it sure might be pretty great here wherever we're at but you know the same the same time that we're talking right now it's very horrible for other conscious sentient beings of that are in my opinion yeah. just another like fractal exactly, yeah. it's a fractal a fractal fragment of what that god mind is or whatever and for i can't just sit here and be okay with another part of myself and another part of the people that i care about and like what the whole divine aspect of everything is that they're able to be subjected to you know some kind of horrors just because other people want to live in a certain way that I don't feel like is really in line with nature and what is in really in line with the true divine principles behind all these stuff. And I mean, it just comes down to the golden right. rule. It's like a lot of these things, a lot of these things, you, you've just been told it so many times before that you just won't believe it. If you, if you get really told what the real truth is, it's like, really, it was that simple. It was in like that nursery rhyme. Like, I, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it totally was. <laughs> Yeah, I hate to say it, but the answer is Jesus, bro. <laughs> I hate to oh say it, dog, God. but it's true. <laughs> but the real question is, who is Jesus really? Because when we learn about who Yeshua really is, then we find out a whole lot of other stuff that goes with that knowledge. That's the way the way into the real root of the Western esoteric tradition. That's the way in. The thread you pull on is the question, who was Jesus really and what really happened? And what is the true teachings of, of, of Christ? What are Yeshua's true teachings? When you start asking that question, what you do is you, you just messed up, dude. You just went down the rabbit hole. You're Alice. So whenever you see like a young girl in a fairy tale who's having some sort of trippy journey... Remember that that's your soul. So a young girl is a symbol of, of all of our souls. It's the idea of purity, of the way that our souls are pure beings is this sense of young, innocent femaleness is a symbol in those stories of the soul. So your soul goes on a journey, right? When you start asking the question, who was Yeshua? Who is he really? What did he really teach? Because within that question is contained the entire esoteric tradition from start to finish. It's mm. all in there. It's all included. Like when you start walking down that path of trying to answer those questions, you are going to come across the core of what makes Western civilization what it is. 
um, which is this knowledge. And that's why this knowledge has the potential to spark a change. The only, it's the only thing we really have left. I'd like it if we could just do it with reason and science. I really would prefer that we keep religion out of it and we just keep it what it is, a small, you know, sectarian thing that nobody really pays attention to in in a serious way. Mm-hmm. I really wish yeah. we could keep it that way because it's fun for me. It's fun for me <laughs> that way, but it's not what has to happen. It has to emerge once again. It goes in cycles, bro, and it's been in a down cycle for a little while now. So it's it's yeah. inevitable at this point that it's going to come back up. And did, was that a real article I read that Michio Kaku talks about he thinks there's a god now or was that something, some propaganda, some fake news? I'm not sure. Honestly, I haven't come across that. As an example, just imagine mainstream scientists starting to come out and talk about deity. Imagine a society where scientists start honestly assessing the idea of the soul and of the deity because they start stumbling across scientific knowledge that makes them realize that, oh, people who are talking about religious ideas, they weren't making stuff up. Like some of them were, but a lot of them were perceiving things with basically ESP. So the reason we have religions and the reason like sometimes religions get things right because we're psychic and we can get information with just our minds. So when we have a really good religious framework, a really good spiritual framework, and we follow it closely, we end up becoming really psychic. So one day they're going to get to a point where they realize that's all it is. All it is is that humans are psychic. Now, does that mean the spirit world is is fake? No, it's that means it's real if we're psychic because we're going somewhere. There's something out there that's information-based. Um, so it's not going to hurt really religion it's just going to open up to people what's real and what's not. So that's what I feel like is coming. It's going to start off with scientists talking about, you know, it kind of seems like there's a God. What can I do? They're all going to sound like Bill Burr. They're going to be like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It, it sounds like there's a God. It, I did the math. My boy over there, he checked it. We got like 18,000 other guys to check it. It keeps coming back that there's a God. I don't know what to tell you guys. That's how it's going to be one day. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, man. Uh, in the good timeline. In the good timeline. The bad timeline is that we nuke ourselves or something nutty. But uh, in the good <laughs> timeline, what happens is scientists start talking about God. Now, this this is – I'm only reason I'm saying this is because religion is the only thing that could have the power – to change enough people's focus. So like the only reason, like you said earlier, all this suffering that goes on in the human realm, all this horrible stuff that's happening to people around the world, right? As we speak, um, shout out to Pizzagate, right? And all this stuff, um, that's going on. The only reason it's happened is, or happening is because the human race's concentration is not in the right place. Like, our resources, our time, and our effort are not really focused on the right things. And that that's why most humans are not happy. Like even the ones who have so-called developed, you know, modern lives, a lot of them are miserable. We know there's a huge mental health crisis in the United States right now. It's a real problem. Um, yes. And that is a huge sign that there's no spirituality in the people. 
when people cease to have ideals, just on a very practical level, when people don't have anything to believe in, they get depressed. That's how it works. So when you have a culture that doesn't believe in anything, it's Mm going to be depressing for most of the people in it. Um, And so to me, just the only thing we have is religion. That's why I don't divide spirituality and religion. I don't play any of those games because it's all what you use it for. It's all what you make of it because it's an art. It's an art, not a science. It doesn't have correct answers. It has concepts we can use to trip balls on. Right, like that's really what it is. Mm-hmm. It has little these these breadcrumbs of knowledge that we can follow toward direct gnosis. Right? And direct gnosis is the real third level type of activity. That's what third levels do. Third levels practice gnosis. And now the clairvoyant stuff, believe it, from what Steiner described, I mean Steiner had the most psychedelic experience you could ever imagine. I mean, this dude was seeing spirits everywhere, fairies, mm. elementals, like dead people. Oh. He was having an incredibly mediumistic experience anytime he wanted it. I mean, his his brain was different, his brain chemistry was different. He was a different cat and he wasn't lying about what he saw. Like he saw what he saw. And his fruits speak for themselves the things that he put into the world the the system of of teaching that he laid out for spirituality the 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 contributions speak for themselves this man was not crazy he was a shaman he was a christian shaman and he had a really wild experience so for him clairvoyance was a full on active sort of trip and all of those states are available but like you know, there's a there's a, a more of a sideways way of gnosis of knowing. I'm sure you've experienced that. We've all experienced. It's the same thing as insight in Buddhism. Um, mm-hmm. But I forgot where we were going with this. But I think the idea is oh, society. So like gnosis yeah. is a thing that anyone can have from just a little bit of seeking, and gnosis wakes you up to things like um, that, like things like the left and the right is a false paradigm. Um, it wakes you up to things like um, religious indoctrination is a false paradigm. It wakes you up to questioning the state and the church and all the institutions of human beings. Gnosis means direct knowledge of God. So when you get in touch with God, the true God, you go to yourself, okay, so all these other institutions are an imitation of the real thing. They're not the real thing. The real kingdom is God's will, and God's will is within each of us. It's our conscience, it's our inner self that knows right from wrong and that will guide us if we let it, you know? And so, like, our authority as a society could be all of us working together using our consciences to figure out what to do day to day. And we'd probably have a similar society in a lot of ways. We'd probably still have prohibitions against murder and kidnapping and uh, assault, right? And yeah. society would probably have technology and, and and trade and all these things. And it would still have a lot of the same components, but there'd be something different, right? If we didn't rely on any institutions to guide us because all the human beings in the society had developed their conscience, had developed their ethics to a, to a point where we could rely on them. 
Like if you really walked through a society where you could rely on most people to be good almost all of the time. No, dude, that's, I mean, it's, I try to live my life as if that is that way now. I try to live like as far as yeah. the people I'm interacting with, the different kind of situations I might get in kind of like uh, it might not be good right. situations, but I live as if I live in that kind of way and it seems to happen. Like I would just say anecdotally, like I went to it go see does. Joe Rogan live and um, I was able Word. to to wait around afterwards and get a picture and talk to him and suggest a book for him to read. And then I was like trying to find my car where I parked. And I was completely lost in like the the downtown Tampa and it was started getting cold and really windy. And I was just like really legitimately completely lost about trying to find my car. And all I see around me are like all these, you know, homeless people that are, are you know, like just sleeping on benches, sleeping in, on front of the church steps and all these different things or whatever. And, um, all I know is, um, gosh, I don't, I don't really don't actually don't remember exactly where I was going, where we were just talking about. My bad, man. Well, you were saying how you see good, good in the world. No, you're good. Dude. Oh yeah, yeah, you're okay, killer. yeah. So like, yeah, like, um, yeah. So I'm going out, like, so like, <laughs> so I'm just like, I'm like, kind of like in a sketchy situation where like, I could get jumped by any people that are just on the streets or whatever. I could, I mean, like, I don't know where I'm at. Like, I, I'm, I'm like really stranded. And like just by like giving up my stress of, of like trying to find the car was the, the exact moment where I found it was like like literally just like when I when I was like, wow, I was on the phone with my girlfriend a couple times and I'm like, like literally, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? A super duper stress. Which I never really feel like. And so I would just like. I finally like just give like a deep breath and I just like let go. And at that moment, like the rain started drizzling on me and I look up and I see my car. And I'm like, are you serious? It's just like just weird timing or like divine timing. I don't know. Like it just helps, helps. Really, I mean, like, look, if that were me, if that were me, I would say, thank you, God. Yeah. I would go. Thank you for the reminder of how important it is to be always like to just not worry about like what well, we'll find it to just to just let things go and be cool. Yeah. You know because so, I mean, I see, literally I see that now. Yeah. <laughs> right and I mean that's that's so obvious to me like with life dude we get so many cool moments. And like so I forgot where I read it. I can't remember because I've always wanted to find this resource but I cannot find it. But someone said that one of the traits of the esoteric Christian path is you get real good at synchronicities and you start having a lot of things in your life happen in ways that are very symbolic and very educational and very like in line with what you're trying to learn in the in the mysteries and that there's a wow. magic to it. So, I mean, there's different ways of looking at magic. Like you can look at magic like it's something that you do a specific operation for a specific cause and you can also look at the world magically mm-hmm. like the entire life you're having is a temple that some operation is taking place in and 
you have these moments that come to you that are these really these visitations of of the the divine. They're really these invitations to open yourself to the higher worlds at that moment. You know, they're like all the wild, just little things that happen just the right way and are filled with this this incredible potency of experience, of, of meaning. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm sure you do. I mean, like literally I could base my entire life or even a lot of the, the people that we're talking about in the story on, on things that I've thought deeply about and just th- saw the different synchronicities and in different ways about it. Like the, the best friend that I had this really cool connection with uh, that, you know, like share, shared this, this thing with me like way back when that could really anchor it now so that I could see that this shit's really true. Um, like just like all the different like happenstance, how I came across him, like how I came, how I came across Cambada. Like I met him so randomly and like all the different types of things that have happened with that, like so many different things in my life have come to me through synchronicity and for you just to even kind of like reconfirm or, or to confirm that like the esoteric Christianity, like if that's like, you know, kind of like a calling card for it, then like that was all I needed to hear to, to really like maybe make that my branch. Well, it's a great branch, but I'm not like, I'm not here to recruit you and I'm not here. No, I know man to, uh, to info, but I will be honest when somebody asks about your tradition, you tell them good stuff. You tell them cool things because <laughs> it really is true and it really is real, you know, and it really is something to be proud of. And it is something that I want to continue. And there's no question in my mind that it's helped me and a huge amount of people. But at the same time, like, it's only it's there it's essentially a passive thing that's the thing about imagination and like why this is all an art you know and not a science because then yeah you get to have your complete own journey you get to have your complete different thing with it you get to have your own love affair with it so to speak and because i mean you experience it like the depths of a great love right and it, and it's like it's a worthy branch is what I'll say. And it's got everything. Boy, it's got everything. It's got drama. It's got intrigue. It's got mystery. It's got meditation. Uh, it contains in it probably the greatest conspiracy of them all. Actually, can we take a, sh- a quick break just to uh, go use the uh, uh, restroom and then we'll come back and talk about that? Is that possible, Mr. Cody? Yeah, it's possible. It's very possible. I want to uh, – kind of get back to where we were talking about if that's all right with you yeah no i do appreciate that i do appreciate that yes all right because i left a big teaser in there which was i said that christianity contains the greatest conspiracy of them all right so i'll tell you the truth about me dude i started off on the esoteric path because of conspiracies because of crazy old uh, william cooper talking about how the freemasons run everything and William Cooper is a fascinating character because he seems to have hated the occult, completely equated the occult with like devil worship and evil, right? And totally perpetuated the conspiracy that like uh, these occult brotherhoods are running everything. 
and he knew so much about it. Like he knew so much about the mystery schools that I actually ended up learning about the mystery schools inadvertently through him. And once I started looking into all this stuff for myself, I got really excited. So for a while, I was like everybody. I was doing just Buddhism and I was just into you know, the Eastern stuff. I think a lot of us start there because it doesn't have the hangups. Right, a lot of us have hang-ups with Christianity because there's so much oh, yeah. charlatanism in Christianity, oh, yeah. and there's so much bad examples when it comes to the religion and in our culture. That like Buddhism, yoga, Hinduism, these things have this you know foreignness to where they don't offend our sensibilities. Right, there's definitely that. So we all kind of start off there because. Because of that exact reason. We're looking for the truth. So first we have to look somewhere else than where we're from. And then after that, other things start finding their way in. Like you remember that book, The Da Vinci Code, right? Oh, I was really obsessed with Dan Brown. He was another one of my obsessions. Yes. So what do you think about all that? I mean, what I I really got into it and would, would would believe a lot of the stuff that he would come out with, and like it exposed to me to like the power of like symbolism and like th- those different things. Like, you know, then I feel like it's quote unquote been debunked, and I don't know how much of it's real and how much to do, but like I at least Has appreciate it. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. But I also so, you know, at least so, appreciate. Yeah. I appreciate what like it sparked me to get a lot into these other aspects too. Right, right. And I would still listen so to. I would still. I would still read is... the. I would still read the next Dan Brown book that came out. Like I mean, I've been reading all the other ones that have come out. For sure, dude. He picks good subject matter that's really interesting. Exactly. I mean, um, I mean, like anti antimatter. I mean, the stuff of like noetic sciences, I mean, like the Freemasonry and like America's like kind of like esoteric background and stuff like that. Like that's super yeah. dope stuff. I mean, look, to the me. guys who made the <laughs> like country. Crypt- cryptology. Yeah, the guys who cryptology. made the country were right. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> you, know, you know cryptology, dog? Uh, <laughs> the guys who made America were, were Masons and it was it was based on some Masonic philosophy and stuff like that. It was definitely a conspiracy that they helped hatch within the lodges because the lodges were secret and were connected internationally. I mean, it's just his history at this point that, you know, America was designed to be like some sort of Freemason haven thing. Um, And that's definitely true. And then like the thing I was really asking about though is the Mary Magdalene stuff. What do you think about Mary Magdalene, bro? No, like that was the first time I was introduced to the concept of Mary Magdalene was through that. And like, I really believed it. I really, I mean, I would say I believed it. I would then, you know, look more into it. I would see other stuff that would help prove it. And then as I kind of went along, I just didn't really think more about it. And then I heard your stuff and I'm like, oh, wow, there's a lot more deeper significance to, to it. Like, the aspect that it could be like a real person and it could be a metaphor for something bigger is just like super intriguing and enticing to me. How it could be both or more more than just that. Jesus is that way too. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 exactly. As, I mean, as you're explaining these things, like, it's just like, holy shit. So here's the facts. Here's a, here's a fact for you. And there may be people who may disagree with my wording, but this is an argument that I could basically make to any scholar of Christianity, and actually scholars of the religion, not necessarily believers, but scholars are the reason I know this stuff and the reason we all know this these facts. Mm. But here's a fact, dude, that that they definitely don't want you to know and that they definitely covered <laughs> up for a long time, which is that the esoteric version of Christianity, the Gnostic version of it, Gnostic could be used in a lot of ways. I'm using it to mean esoteric, basically. But the esoteric Christianity is older than the Christianity that we know. That before there was a church, before there was a Christian religion, there were the esoteric schools or the things that we call esoteric now, which really weren't esoteric at some point. They were just part of the culture. They were just part yeah. of the thing. So like St. Paul is said to be the founder of orthodoxy, and that's because they faked a lot of the things that they claim he wrote, and he didn't write them. Other people wrote them, but the things he did write it's clear that he was a student of esoteric Christianity and he felt that there was a difference. There was a type of interior, deeper teaching for the spiritually mature and there was an exoteric system of of codes and rules of behavior for the spiritually immature. And the good thing about having it set up like that is that people who are ready for the teachings, the esoteric teachings, they will find their way to them through the exoteric religion. So the way it's Mm. supposed to be set up, it's not set up like this, but the way it's supposed to be set up is Christianity exists with an exoteric thing that you can just believe in, you can just go to church and say you believe it, but the priests are all initiates. The priests have Christ consciousness, and a lot of the people in the congregation also have Christ consciousness because they've studied more in depth the teachings That's the Mm. way St. Paul would have run it. That's the way it would have been if he was in charge. It would have had an esoteric Christianity and an exoteric, and they would have been best friends. They would have been lovers like Jesus and Mary Magdalene or the, Mm. the, the, the myth about them or the legend. They would have been a type of love between the esoteric and the exoteric. So Christ is the whole religion. Mary Magdalene represents the esoteric side of the religion because... The facts are that she was seen as the first disciple, the greatest student, the one who understood the, the knowledge better than anyone by people way back then. That's how they saw her. So when we're talking about the wife of Jesus, when we're talking about the companion of Jesus, what we're really talking about is a symbol for an esoteric Christian, a symbol for a student of Christianity that's going deeper. Um, to where it's almost like we enter into a sort of marriage or relationship. And there's meant to be no sexual connotation at all. It's simply meant to be an analogy of like the intimacy with the knowledge, right, and the way. Mm. And so the big conspiracy is that esoteric Christianity is older and more original 
than the regular religion is. But that's actually the correct way to do it. Bro, I think we just found the crossover that we needed. We just need to introduce <laughs> hip, hipsters. If we introduce hipsters to esoteric Christianity, man, it would be over. <laughs> it's over, dude. It's over. <laughs> Our work would be done. We just, you know, have them listen to some of these things, have them read here, some yeah. of these books. <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, the yeah. thing about the Da Vinci Code that's awesome is that he clearly gets that. He clearly gets that. He's he's veiling it. It's a metaphor. It's all a metaphor. Mm. Now, there might really be a bloodline of Jesus. Like, there really might be, you know, Mary Magdalene and Jesus had kids and those kids were kept secret. And that's really what the Holy Grail is because, you know, that's another one of the conspiracy theories, which is that Jesus and Mary Magdalene had kids and his children were um, basically hidden and his descendants are still with us and there's all this stuff about the descendants of Jesus being the real the real central locus of the the so-called you know good conspiracy you could say the, the occultists behind the scenes who are trying to help the world Um, that's one conspiracy theory but what we know like from literature and from scholarship is that Mary Magdalene is a symbol of being an esoteric disciple or the highest type of disciple or the most intimate disciple of the Christ. And really that's how she's portrayed. She's portrayed in the, the, because there's ancient scriptures that talk about her and Jesus being extra close. And you could, you could interpret it as like a relationship. You definitely could, but you could also interpret it as a really, really close friendship if you wanted to. So it kind of could go other way. I mean, it seems probably like they were married because um, it would have made no sense for a, a rabbi to be celibate. Rabbis weren't celibate. It was part of their religion to have as many kids as they could. So mm. for Jesus to be like unmarried doesn't really make sense. So it it probably was that way. And uh, I'm, you know, but we don't know for certain. But like what we do know, if we're just talking about his history and just the bottom baseline like facts, which is that there was an esoteric religion before there was official religion and that Mary Magdalene was a symbol even back then of the esoteric religion or she became one at a certain critical point. So that's that's one thing. The Da Vinci Code is basically real is what I'm saying. That's one of the big <laughs> I mean that that helps make my like uh you know teenage, you know, adult, you know, growing up it makes it, you know, confirms a lot about it. So that's awesome. Yeah. But now now you see that the truth of it is like more complex and religious and that that story, that story is – it has that elements to it. I mean the Da Vinci Code is definitely deep. That's what I mean. He he obviously knows what he's doing there. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And he got the idea from reading books like Holy Blood, Holy Grail and the Templar Revelation, which are both audible audiobooks, which I highly recommend, um, that get into this really deep. There's also a great one called the The Jesus Papers, which is a good – third third one to check out okay. um, and those all are audiobooks that get you into it but Holy Blood Holy Grail basically tells the story that 
Jesus and Mary Magdalene were married, they had children, that the bloodline lived on, and the bloodline did all kinds of stuff through Europe and was principal in in, in acting in the history of, of Europe multiple times. And then you get mm. the Templar revelation, which comes out about uh, a good 10 years later, maybe more. And the Templar revelation is where all the Da Vinci stuff comes in. So... They're the ones who figured out that if you look at the Last Supper, it's very obvious that that's Mary Magdalene and she's in a special position. Like if you look mm-hmm. at the the painting, all of the stuff they point out is totally true. I mean, it, it it is obvious that she mirrors him, that she's his double, so to speak, that she's like his twin. And um, this was heretical knowledge that was known, that was passed down. And it's very likely someone like Da Vinci was aware of it. And... I don't mean to go around taking credit for geniuses, but, you know, Rudolf Steiner, Leonardo da Vinci, there's something about being an esoteric Christian for some people that really unlocks or aids their, like, incredible genius. So if that's mm-hmm. another one. There's a lot of smart people who are into Francis Bacon could be considered a Rosicrucian. Um, uh, Benjamin Franklin's considered by some to have Rosicrucian tendencies. Thomas Jefferson actually rewrote the Bible, so I don't know if you consider that mystical Christian or atheist. I don't know, but there's a <laughs> lot of people who start who who affect society in big ways, right? And they, they have yeah. crazy ideas about Jesus. Like, so you're in the company of people who, who, a lot of them who have done a lot for, in done a lot in history. You know, and there's this weird power to it. So I got to say, overall, there's probably always been people who knew the Mary Magdalene stuff around, but it was real genuinely secret knowledge until modern times. Yeah. Because it was in those, oh, that's a, it was in those books they found in 1945, in the Naj, Naj Hammadi codices that they found yeah. in Egypt in 1945. It was in there. The Mary Magdalene stuff was in a couple of those things. I mean, it only kind of makes sense with like the the myth and the ethos going behind it that it would be if you know she's a symbol for the esoteric, you know, side of things that it would be you know quote unquote hidden for all this time and you know only known by you know a certain certain few throughout history until it became. Yep you know, made aware. And I would say, I don't, you know, obviously I, I don't, I haven't, well, obviously I wasn't alive in those times when it was brought available and I haven't really done any research like when it became available, but I don't know how quickly it spread and how popular people, you know, it was for people to try to read these texts. Um, that, you know, um, but I feel like nowadays it, it's, it's, you know, very easy to get it on your computer to be able to read these things yourself and to, to, to actually get into it yourself. And yeah, um, just do the Gospel get, of like, Thomas, dude. Yeah. Did I, like, did I see that you, you just do? Just get the Gospel you, of Thomas. Yeah. Didn't you just do like a, a decent two-hour podcast about that yourself? I did. I mean, it is. <laughs> it is the. It's the the one man. It's the Neo of this whole path. Oh it, shit! It has it all. Oh it's, shit! I mean, it's so weird. As soon as you read it, it's the Jesus you always wanted. You know? <laughs> and there's so much scholarship on it. So the, the really fantastic thing about Thomas's, bro, is because it's heretical, 
it's literally a heresy against the church. What's in Thomas? Like there's things in it that are direct contradictions of church dogma. Right. And, uh, because it's heretical though, and it's 2017, there's like tons of really good books written about it that you can just get access to. So it's one of those things where it's complete and you can learn so much about it. Like there is so much good knowledge about it. You know, the the Bible has all this propaganda surrounding it because of the church. Oh, yeah. The Gospel of Thomas really, really doesn't. It kind of just doesn't because it's not official stuff. So nobody's trying to make it seem like something it isn't. It basically just gets studied for what it is. So you can really yeah. learn about it. Like you can listen to audiobooks about the gospel and learn about the history and the context and what it all means and why this part seems weird and you know you can act so it's a great gospel to study because it's new first of all. We're the first generation to really have this as a thing. Um and it's new so there's and this is the age the golden age of publishing where it's you put a book on Amazon and start selling it, right? So there's so much yeah good stuff on it because it's the it's an open free market right now of of publishing and it's like everyone's putting out stuff on it and there's you can really find some great resources mystical resources scholarly resources Mm -hmm. so with thomas it's like you can really learn man and it's not easy with the with the regular bible like that because there's all these years of propaganda surrounding it so that's why I, I totally recommend if anybody out there is interested in the esoteric Christian path that that's the one, the uh, the Gospel of Thomas. Because there's about five different translations you can check out. They're all free on um, okay. the Gnosis.org, uh, which is a great website. Yeah. Gnosis.org has yeah, it is. tons of Gnostic Gospels you can read. But it doesn't have, it doesn't have the scholarly parts that's what you got to buy the books for you got to buy the books not for the gospel but for the scholars who explain everything right so it's like okay it's very weird but you can get something out of it just by reading it but the more you know about two things the more you know about the scholarly work behind the gospel and the actual christian religion the more you'll get out of it and the more you know about esoteric christianity and esotericism Mm. in general the more you get out of it it's truly a masterpiece and if you go uh, check out that episode I did, it's called Meditations on the Gospel of Thomas. And one of the things we get into is how it might be like the version of it we have is like the second or third version of it. So the one we have is based on something older that we don't have. So that older mm. thing, that Gospel of Thomas. Now it's it's still mostly the same, but there's a little. It's a different language. It's been translated. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's yeah, got yeah. a few things added to it, but it's still primarily what it is, right? And people have been able to figure out that the Gospel of Thomas actually comes from something older, and the mystery is that is this the lost teachings of Jesus? Wow. Is this the real thing? And you have to – that's a mystery you have to answer for yourself because it, it, the scholarship can't determine it one way or the other. If you get into this Gospel of Thomas and you really seek, right, it says at the beginning – I'll read you. I got it up actually. I'll read you the first line from it, which is, um, these are the secret sayings which the living Jesus spoke and which Didymos Judas Thomas wrote down. 
And this is the first saying. It says, Whoever finds the interpretation of these sayings will not experience death. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like, this is a, it's a book of riddles. It's a book of really esoteric riddles. And the more you learn about the history of it and the history of the time and the history of what really happened with the religion is this weird ability that you understand more of the gospel of Thomas. Like it might seem like history is not related to your occult journey, but for some reason history is like more related than any other field. It seems the more you learn about the history of a thing, the more occult power, the more ability you have to imaginatively tap into that part of reality. Mm -hmm. So if you trying to understand the original teachings of Yeshua, then what you have to do is learn everything you can about the time and the place and what was going on. And then it's almost like these psychic doorways open up just just as they will. So it's like, for example, uh, saying three in the Gospel of Thomas. This is a weird saying. It says, uh, Jesus said, if those who lead you say to you, see, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds of the sky will precede you. If they say to you, it is in the sea, then the fish will precede you. Rather, the kingdom is inside of you, and it is outside of you. When you come to know yourselves, then you will become known, and you will realize that it is you who are the sons and daughters of the living Father. But if you will not know yourselves, you dwell in poverty, and you are that poverty. And so, like, he said, that's that's some wild stuff, right? And there's definitely stuff you can get out of that just by listening to it. I mean, he says the kingdom is inside yeah. of you and it is outside of you. When you come to know yourselves, you will then become known. That's one of the illest things I've ever heard. Like, that's oh, one yeah. of my favorite oh, things yeah. ever. Uh, and then he says, and then you will realize that it is you who are the sons of the living Father. So, I mean, this is confirmation that Christianity's message is about you becoming Jesus, like it's like okay. Buddhism in that way. You're supposed to yeah. become the son of God, right? Um, but check this out. This is something you learn only when you read the scholarship. The beginning okay. of it where he says, if those who lead you say, see, the kingdom is in the sky, then the birds will precede you. Really, he's, he's saying the birds will, will get there before you. If they say to you, it okay. is in the sea, then the fish will get there before you. Rather, the kingdom is inside you. Okay, so who's going around saying the kingdom is in the sky, the kingdom is in the sea? Apparently, there was a religion back in the day called apocalyptic Judaism where or messianic Judaism where people were expecting someone like Jesus to show up. They were expecting a Messiah, okay? And there were different versions of the Messiah. One of the versions of the Messiah, the story says, the prophecy says he's going to come out of the sky. He's going to emerge out of the sky on a chariot. Another version of the story said he'll come out of the sea and he'll do all these things, right? And then there was yet another version that said he won't do any of those things. He'll be a wise and just teacher who tries to bring freedom to people, who tries to bring (laughs) wisdom and love into the world. Right, So that's a reference to that, that in Jesus' time, he grew up in a culture where people were expecting someone to show up any day to save them. 
So do you know what actually he did, dude? Is that he played a role like it was a play. Like this was a dude who had some sort of political motivations and some sort of metaphysical experiences. And he then took the prophecies that he'd grown up with. He took the ideas that he'd grown up with and then he did them on purpose. He didn't like, uh, he didn't like, uh, you know, fulfill prophecy by accident. He didn't fulfill prophecy by, by accidentally being in a trance and then, oh, he happened to fulfill this prophecy. What magic. Mm. What Jesus actually did, and this is in the Bible, this is a fact, what Jesus actually did, and believe me, this is something they don't want you to realize, what Jesus actually did was he looked at the prophecies in the Old Testament that were around that he was a student of. He looked at the legends and the lore and the oral tradition of his people. He looked at the expected Messiah, and then he deliberately behaved as that being. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's like, that's that's perfect. I mean, I can see that being like a perfect metaphor for, I mean, that, that can get brought to all times. It's like... That's what we do, isn't it? Yeah. No, one million percent. We just like, have I these mean, guys laying around. Yeah, we have we have these heroes laying around, these Buddhas, these Rudolf Steiners. We have them laying around and we say, I think I'm going to start copying off of this dude now. Mm. Right? We have these legends about these great beings and then we just start imitating them. That's it. That's the whole path. So Jesus did it better than anyone. Jesus was like really incredible and maybe that was the magic that unlocked his ability to get possessed by this divine spirit now that part is occult and esoteric and metaphysical but the historical facts which is what we've trying to be, be been uh, talking about because we're talking about the real conspiracies here about Christianity but one of the real conspiracies that I can see is the fact that this dude intentionally behaved in ways that would make people think he was the prophesied messiah and he did it with conscious action it wasn't like Oh, my God. Well, for all we know, God told him to do that. But do you see? That's what it looked like in the world when it yeah. happened, most likely. So yeah. Yeah. so it's us, dude. We, we can be like that. We, we can't be quite as awesome, but we can try to be cool like Jesus because he was just it's a just guy like, trying he's to like, be cool. He's like, okay, so um, everybody's acting real crazy and the only thing that'll make you guys believe that we can actually do something is if we check off these amount of check boxes and then you guys can actually, you know, come to the table and and think that we can really do something. And and like you said he was like boom. He's like a, a method actor who just got into the role and um you know was you know probably practicing practicing the, like the esoteric Christianity teachings himself. And, and you know was able to to do well back then it was things. back then there was a system of Judaism which was very esoteric okay. which probably would have been his religion thank you for correcting me so probably how, how, don't know how for would it sure. be no no you're not wrong <laughs> yeah exactly so exactly that's the only reason I said that because he did there was a thing I mean you've heard of Merkava wisdom and all that and the work of the chariot um yeah 
there was an ancient type of metaphysical out of body. I mean, this was a visionary tradition that he came from. This was a tradition of people like the prophet Ezekiel who were so good at tripping balls on their own brain chemicals that thousands of years later, people think they were seeing UFOs because the stuff he <laughs> saw was so crazy. Oh right? my gosh, and yes. That's what really happened. By the way, don't don't play yourselves, guys, with that ancient alien stuff. Like, there's there's some evidence for ETs, man, and I'm all about it. But like, when dudes are in a religious tradition where they they have visions, that's that's not evidence for UFOs. Like, these were guys who practiced seeing shit, right? So you can't. Yeah. <laughs> they're bad eyewitnesses about you. Just see what I'm getting at there? Like, it's a exactly it's a dangerous yeah. fallacy because. By their very nature, they were people who were trying to see things that weren't normally there. So we can't we can't use Ezekiel as our like our evidence, if that makes sense. Like if we understand what he was as a prophet, as a guy whose job it was to have visions, you know. Um, that's my only thing about that. But I'm totally open to ETs, of course, and I, I keep up with all those crazy videos whenever they come out. Uh, I wonder at them. <laughs> DJ Tandem is 100% on the UFO train, and I'm not. I am an agnostic. I am an alien agnostic. I don't know, but I intend to find out. I really am not sure, but I'm not unsure. And I'm completely open to it as a possibility, especially that they've been here. Definitely that they exist. Clearly, there's other humans on other planets. That's all it is. That's nothing. That's nothing weird at all. There's other humans on other planets. Did they come here in spaceships and influence our culture? I don't know, dude. I mean, people have been experiencing spirits and gods in their prayers and in their ecstatic trances for a lot longer than we've been talking about ships in the sky. So I don't know. I don't know about the whole thing, but it's definitely possible that aliens influenced a religion or two. I'm totally open to it. But like I studied Christianity and Buddhism and like these are things that humans came up with. These have nothing to do with Anunnaki basically like nothing to do with it. Yeah. These are people yeah. who figured stuff out and, and it's very clear that yeah I don't know everything about Babylonian religion. I don't know everything about Sumerian religion so maybe people who are experts in it could tell me well this is why it seems like extraterrestrials and all that. That's very possible. Mm. Mm-hmm. But the analyses I've seen of it don't convince me, right? So I need somebody very scholarly to tell me why, like somebody who could tell me why it's not aliens, telling me why it's aliens that created this religion. Because uh, religion is very human; it's very much what we do. So go on, go ahead. Uh, oh, so like you need someone like a Graham Ham- Graham Hancock to to explain it for you. Who doesn't buy UFOs? Graham Hancock says it's <laughs> these are people having. Uh, spiritual experiences where they meet uh, entities in the spirit world. That's what he said in Supernatural. He wrote a whole book about it. One of the biggest things he he said in Supernatural was that when you look at the evidence, there's more people hallucinating abduction experiences (laughs) when they take psychedelics or when they have DMT injected into them than there are like real evidence of abductees. Yeah. So, like, we know that some people, when they take psychedelics, they have abduction experiences. So, like, that is what we know for a fact that that does happen. We don't have the hard evidence of abduction experiences, not in that way. Like, we have it demonstrated that, as far as I know, man, there's probably some people freaking out about that, what I just said. But from what I can see is, like, 
we need to be careful about that. Now, if someone really, if I'm just missing out and I need to just check out a certain resource, I will totally do that. Like I said, I'm an agnostic with aliens. I don't really have time to study aliens because I'm doing all this other stuff. But if anybody can point me to a single resource that you think is like really scholarly and really solid, um, I will totally check it out and get back to you completely 100%. I'm not opposed to it and I want to know the truth. But as far as the religion thing, that's a little mm, that's a little sus as they say in the streets as the kids say. It's a little sus the ancient <laughs> astronauts. Uh I mean I it's definitely not scholarly or anything but it almost goes along the lines of what you were just saying is like there was a time where um well, I was under the influence of psilocybin and I was outside and I was laying on a picnic bench and with my eyes closed, I almost felt like I had contact with some kind of alien mind. And then on the way back, walking back the nature path home, like there was this super bright light that was like, looked like it was a mile down the the trail. And then as it got closer, it got like, like blinding. Like it was like the sun was right in front of my face. And like, as soon as it passed me, I couldn't see any light at all. So I just felt like it was like a, some kind of like at least some kind of like technology that I've never experienced before. And um, so then I was also like staring at the sky. I mean, something I I tend to do uh, under those states. Um, And there was like, like almost like the, like the, there was crown, like alien crowns made in the clouds. Like there was like a a, a definite pattern that was repeating and like multiple layers that would remind me of almost like how it would look like on a crown like a king's crown or a queen's crown. And um, that was just in the sky. And then it just felt very alien. And it felt like I, like I just like stepped through a portal to somewhere different. And like we were just about to get abducted. <laughs> like the like, not like wow. we were like, like the whole, like we were about to get invaded is I guess is what I was going to get say at like, okay, so like this is their calling signs. They're, they're going to mess with the, this. And then um, we came into my friend's house and it was like, she, uh, his, girlfriend was um watching game of thrones and it was like so alien looking all the clothes that they were wearing i'm like oh my gosh they're already on tv well, you just yeah <laughs> you're proving my point there i mean although it does sound really wonderful what you saw i mean in a different context and culture you would have seen it as an angel i think though like yeah. that's that's yeah. all it really comes down to. I mean, your your mind is constantly forming and reforming these giant concepts for you to understand the world around you, and it's just it's so mysterious that I'm not a you know I gotta just tell you something an older Rosicrucian said to me because aliens aliens came up and somebody asked me about ETs and I said something. Similar to what I said here, which is that I'm 100% open to it and I really want to know the truth about it. And I think it's possible that extraterrestrials have, you know, in, in contacted Earth or been to Earth. I know they're out there, all this. I said all that, but I think spirituality is definitely a human creation and that we created our philosophy and we created our religions that are good and we created our ideas that are good and there's not really any et that could change that and you know what this cool old man said to me um what was that he said he said chris do you feel like human beings 
are spiritual beings that are in human bodies having a human experience. And he was, he, you know, he said, do you believe that human beings are spiritual beings having a human experience in human bodies? And I said, yeah, yes, yes. And I think that's the answer. Like the, the mystery of what's going on here, because what I think he was trying to sh- point out to me is just the bigger picture, mm-hmm. which is that we're aliens, like we're yeah. spirits in bodies. And that's fucking weird, right? That's freaky. And it's so strange that like that mystery is beyond any sort of ETs crash landing in a ship. It's so far beyond it in terms of uh, the magnitude of it and the importance of it. Does that make sense? Like, Yeah, and I mean I can almost feel like um... – you know the reason why it's not not focused upon because it's also the scarier aspect because it's something that you have to ha- like be with all the time like your mind and the c- uh, capabilities to all these things all all always with you and um you know whereas like these other things like i i feel like like a core a core you know truth in a lot of this stuff is instead of like externalizing the teachings or the prophet or you know any of any of like the knowledge like if you would internalize it and like you know bring it in within yourself and seeing like how that relates to you you, you can um completely change change like just your power in the world i mean like you were saying like if yeah. we if we it started if we started like you know tackling the concept of like you're saying the fact that we're a spirit inside a body and like noetic sciences was more popular as opposed to ufology I'd say that we would be on a lot better track to getting um, a, a more productive yeah, society that is more in tune with the things that I feel like are really going on around us. Because I don't know how much UFOs are just like secret military projects. They just got a shit ton of money to make. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's alien. And then it's just like, it's just another diversion. So, I, you know, I'm the same, I feel the same way that you're saying as far as like, agnostic i mean i feel like it, it has to be possible i feel like you know my stoner thought is hey maybe like you said if they're if we're all like humanoid figures if that's what all alien aliens are like what if earth is just like the place where uh, all the all the different figures came together and that's how we have all these different races and then like you said that we're like some like uh spiritual i don't know like inhabit like habitant or something that takes over the the these these particular bodies for this particular time as far as we know and then like like you said so like i don't know can't be created or destroyed yeah i mean <laughs> the whole thing is you got to do some you just do enough remote viewing so if anybody has doubts about the basic validity of this kind of thinking like I'll probably never get to have this conversation with Sam Harris, but if I did, I'd say just just try remote viewing. Just try to do it and see if you have some kind of experience that really blows your mind. And I honestly think he would say 
yeah, I totally did that and I had that experience, but I still don't think it's scientifically valid enough to prove telepathy. I think that's what he would actually say because I think he's he's really on it and he does know about weird stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he said. Mm-hmm. But you still got me over here saying try it for yourself. And like I'm not on his level or anything in a lot of ways, but like as far as what he's accomplished in his life, but uh, I'm definitely another person who's saying to you the opposite of what he might say, which is try it. Just try it for yourself. Just try it and see if something happens where you go, whoa, all right, mm-hmm. where you do have a, a an experience that is beyond um, beyond the pale, beyond what you thought was possible before. And so for me, like when I say the thing about telepathy, like I said before, like it all it all does for me at this point kind of come back to telepathy. The fact that humans are psychic, that kind of explains everything. Because if we can get information from sources that are non-physical with just our minds, I mean, what's the difference between that and talking to spirits? It seems like the same basic function somehow it seems like the same basic uh mechanism so that's another thing by the way i guess that answers the question let's bring it back to where we started so what's the ways you can do this psychedelic stuff without drugs well i highly recommend remote viewing even though it's a hard skill to learn and you actually have to learn it and practice it and i'm only a novice i mean i'm barely capable of doing it but i do have a pretty Mm. good rate of hitting the target of actually landing on what we're talking about. Um, and of course I'm still doing self-examination, but I know enough and I'm, I'm not a liar. So I'm being fair. And I have a friend that we, we, uh, we remote view together and we compare results and you can have all I'm, all I'm arguing is that you can try it for yourself and see what happens. And, you know, magicians say that, people who are into magic, they're like, well, you got to try these things for yourself. And they're right. You mm-hmm. do. Because when you try it for yourself, a lot of time really weird stuff happens and you go, oh, this is why people do this. <laughs> Be- because these weird things happen. Tarot cards are the same way. Tarot cards are extremely magical. We don't have time to go into all that. But yeah. uh, there's there's a lot of these things that people do. Like you can stare into a black mirror or a crystal ball and summon up beings into it. It is a thing. It is a type of tripped out hallucinatory experience that you can totally have that your brain is designed to have. Um, that's the... And, uh, that makes me think... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Keep going. No, no, that's it. That's all I got. That's literally okay, all okay. I have to say. I think I'm going to retire now. Cool. From podcasting, I think okay, I'm right. forever. <laughs> Halfway right. through this podcast, was like, literally, do I need to make any more content? Like, I don't need to take anything from your your shows and put it on my podcast. I don't even know if I need to put anything else out there. Like, you're just beating a dead horse at this point. <laughs> no more. I'm this never going like, to talk again. How many, I how many ways? I'm actually, gonna... how many ways? <laughs> I think I'm going to do a vow of silence forever and never speak again. I don't need to talk every day. That's fine. I don't I don't have like a need to speak. It's fine. Let's just stop doing it now forever. Yeah. No, man. Dominant yoga can't stop, won't stop. What? 
What'd you I say? Like, can I at least put the, can I put this episode out first? Uh, no, we have to delete okay. it right now. All no, right. Of course. All right. <laughs> no, it's great. Is there anything else we should touch on, though? I mean, no, man, no, I can't really. Think of I think I, we've we gotta, talked about gotta everything. Leave ourselves, leave some room for other times as well. Right. All right. Good. Well, Cody, it's been fantastic, man. You're a you're a happening guy. You know what's up, Chris. Man, I really appreciate you it. You're a you, <laughs> you like given you've given not just me but like you know anybody that would come across this at any point like a real true roadmap like you would say that like Steiner would give like even just like a a, a grander a picture of just what, what are some things to look into a little further that you may have uh, not considered at first because like I've I've kind of been on the fence at first about some of these things but. Just how passionately you you getting into these things, it just it reminds me of myself about stuff. So, you know, I mean, it just the 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 nice things that you had to say, like it, I just reciprocated back, you know, tenfold. And you know, I just can't wait for to build, you know, better podcasts and like inspire different people to to do things that we wouldn't expect to do and just see this shit. Just uh, I don't know, just get to where we can't even predict it. Let's make America esoteric again. Right, fellas? Right, ladies and gentlemen? Right, everybody? Let's yes. let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Um, it's our only hope to save <laughs> what's going on. It's the only <laughs> hope we have. We have to we have to do it. <laughs> it's totally it. just just to put a put an exclamation point on it. Really, it's our only chance. Like it's not like it's not going to be such and such. Da, da, da. It's not going to be that. So we gotta, we gotta just um, like Robert Thurman said, we gotta have an inner revolution. It's the only way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it. And some people think that was the Buddha's original mission that he was actually a social reformer, and so he reformed the religion. Because he thought it was the most potent force in the society. Maybe that was wow. what he was really trying to do too. But wow. remember, Buddha was rich. He was born rich. Yeah. Uh, and he had a basically a nice time where he was. It it wasn't like Jesus' time, which was horrible to live in for the mm. for a lot of the people that he was around. Buddha basically and got to do what he wanted, and nobody messed with him once he became the Buddha. He lived to the ripe old age of 82. He taught for like 50 years. Um, The opposite of Jesus, who gets murdered after a few years of ministry. Mm -hmm. So, but who knows? Maybe that's all Jesus wanted to do. (laughs) It's very interesting, though, to leave you with that one. I would say something else, by the way. You talked about a roadmap, so let me just say this. The real uh, key, I feel, to Christianity in modern times, the real key to understanding it is actually Buddhism. It's actually the original Buddhism. We talked about Thich Nhat Hanh earlier and a sort of... Yeah. You want to get at the words that the Buddha said. There are a lot of scriptures out there. A lot of people don't know this, but there is basically a Buddhist Bible. There's There's like three of them. They're called the Pali Canon, P-A-L-I-C-A-N-O-N. And these are the sermons of the Buddha. These are the words of the dude. And you can really understand it. And you can it really makes sense. And it's wild that something could 
be so effective across so much time and still be the cure for <laughs> depression and anxiety and fear. And, you know, it's wow. amazing that it could even exist. Wow. But if you start studying that, and then you get into like the Bible and esoteric stuff, esoteric Christianity, then it all makes all kind of crazy sense. So I'd say in modern times and just my esoteric opinion, the way to understand Jesus is through the Buddha. Because then it takes on this political, uh, societal, sociological element with Jesus where that isn't there with the Buddha necessarily. So, But it is, but it's just in a different form anyway. But that's that's the last point on that I'm saying. And thank you, dude. You're you're incredible. You're doing a great service to me and my show by sharing it with all these lovely people. And um, like I said, you're a happening cat. You know what's up, Daddy O. And uh, <laughs> don't stop, dude. Please don't stop. Ah, dude. Thank Keep you. Going. Thank you Keep so much. Thank you so much, man. I hope you have a, a you know just a, a wonderful evening and uh, I just appreciate you so much, dude. I'll meet you in the spirit world, bro. See you later. Since I love you all so infinitely, and you know a three-hour conversation probably is not enough, um, I wanted to share one of the parts in, in the middle of the break that I thought was pretty interesting, um, just to reward anybody that sticks it through the end of these long, long podcasts. I just really appreciate you also. I want to give you a little nugget. Share my appreciation. Thank you. Love you. That's that's very much appreciated. And I guess since we're like not talking formally or whatever, I kind of wanted to bring up like when you uh, talked about um, how you notice my editing of audio skills? It's definitely yeah. came up from like a the niche the niche thing, uh, and being obsessed with the rapper cannabis. Um, he he ended up recording this song which he called Poet Laureate Infinity, and the concept was that he he would rap like two hundred uh, bars over five different layers. Uh, meaning, so he would have like uh-huh. a whole verse that was 200, 200 bars that was like 11 minutes long. And then he would use the same uh-huh. beat and then rap, rap, rap over it again. And uh-huh. um, what would, uh, would, would tie into the different themes of in between the different layers and sometimes would have the same rhyme schemes and stuff like that. And basically it became like a cult following of people that would like take his vocals and like rearrange them and make him have different bars and make him say different Uh, things, like make him create different work, create different words out of it. So like I was able to like listen to his word patterns and to be able to cut up the, the new word that I made out of his other words and like just to be able to do it in such a way that it almost made it sound like he was saying it. What and was so that like called? Like, I, I remember hearing about it. Poet it was called, there was a Infinity. thing, a name for the movement. What was like the name mixers? of the movement, though, where y'all would do that? I forgot that, but there was, wasn't there a... Uh, forgive me, but go on, go on. No, I mean, like... like there I was remember a, the hearing website. about it. I just can't remember. The website was, uh, you know, Cannabis Central Forum. It was like the Cannabis Central Forums. Like, like we just call ourselves uh-huh. like the mixing community. Like there was like this, th- right. like a mixtape that was made, like where we called ourselves the Brotherhood. 
because like cannabis would talk about like That's you know cool. brotherhood and, and you know type stuff like that and um so yeah i mean it just like it's awesome <laughs> uh, like cannabis has a uh, he has a lyric in uh one of his songs poet laureate two where it's like literally a straight sentence from pd ospensky's in search of the miraculous where he's talking like uh-huh. from you know gurgis point of view and so I'm uh-huh. like 15 years old. This is my favorite song, and I, I hear it's like a perfect quote of it. And then next, and then I, like, I have to get the book. So it's like I'm, I'm exposing myself to these things like way ahead of time that I could even comprehend. But it's just because I Dude, would. Just, I gotta get like, into cannabis, man. Fuck. Okay, so like, I like, all, like he was yeah. he was a he was amazing, you know, rapper and like lyricist when he was like popular and like doing freestyles and everybody knew who he was, but when he became underground, like it was, he was absolutely like, like he is like literally the greatest of all time in my opinion, because he has a song called master thesis where there's certain parts to the song that, um, you know, it's been verified by people on the forums, just like checking into it, that he uses the five ratio to, to create the bars as in like, um, from down to how many words are in it, like comparatively from one one line to the next line, how many letters are in it, how many syllables are in it, how long the length of the the line comparative to the other line was, and like all wow. these different avenues that are like if not dead on to the five ratio, just very close to it. Mm-hmm. And so, wow, and, and like he's he has uh i mean a lot like just a lot of uh, occult references and then like things that i know if even if i was just to re-listen to uh some of his work that i haven't heard in a while that i would pick up a lot more on to the references he was making but um you know like he has like uh, like the the work that came out when he was like underground after the fact that he was popular is by far some of the greatest stuff ever when it comes to you know esoteric kind of hip hop can you tell me what album that starts at so I can start there? Yeah. If you uh, listen to Mike Club, The Curriculum, and then you know the next one's mm-hmm. Rip the Jacker. And then um, I would say the next one to listen to after that would be For Whom the, Be- uh, the Beat Tolls. And then – Heard that. Um, I'm going to get into it, dude. Okay. That sounds – that's really interesting. I'm definitely because you're the like the second person to tell me about this esoteric cannabis, but you made a way better case than the other guy, so now I got to check it out. Fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was like number one fanboy, so. Um, well, he's he's got yeah, so he, a lot of fans like you, man, who love him that much and understand how great he is. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly, and um, so he you know, also that's has another this, quality. That, that's another quality of a listener. The listener does stuff like that. He's into cannabis because cannabis has this like really rewarding and he couldn't exist without people like you who understand it so deeply. Like he wouldn't be able to do it psychically at all. It's totally that's like crazy. That's magic. so crazy, bro. That's so crazy, bro. That's crazy. And then just for him to have such like a, a big response when I met him, like I don't, I don't, I didn't tell you this story when I met cannabis. Um, was a string of synchronicities, of course. Um, it was the first time that he was performing in Florida in like a very long time. I just had turned 18. My mom told me she didn't trust me enough to um, go to Miami 
by myself, let alone to go see a rapper named Cannabis. So she drove me down there and paid <laughs> and paid for the hotel and um, went to the show. This is actually the first time I ever got high was a contact high from everybody who was lighting up as he got on stage. And so like I'm like, you know, I'm there watching him. It was like a great show or whatever. But um, like a little bit of part of the backstory is that I had a, a good friend from Tampa that uh, was was a rapper that was into cannabis that I kind of like put in contact with his uh, management team. And he was going to Miami to record a verse for one of his albums. Um, I believe it was Melatonin Magic. And um, so <laughs> he was recording He was recording a verse there after, at the end of the show. Um, I was just saying goodbye to Presto is, is the guy's um, rapper name. And um, at the same time, Cannabis was walking across the street the same way that me and my mom were walking to the car. And uh, Presto was like, hold up, hold up. And um, pretty much introduced me to, to Cannabis as like my uh, screen name, Akashic one. And uh, his face lit up and he just turned around and gave me like a huge hug. And, and it's like he was like a fan of me or something like that. It, it felt like. And, like, I'm just like, what are you talking yeah. about? And it's just like I was just so, you know, hardcore into him that anytime he would come out with something, I'd a – new, any new verse that came out or new songs that would come out, I'd, I'd type up all the lyrics to it. You know, whenever I, whenever he came there, I would, I would record the, the shows so that all the other people who weren't able to go to the show would be able to see it and just other types of stuff. Um, obviously, I already told you about how I'd make music where I'd create where his own music, like create his own shit with it or whatever. But um, like he, I was able to meet him and like he knew who I was from that, and he like like really appreciated me as much as I really appreciated him. So just for you to say that, and then again, like with my friend Cam, like I don't know if you've ever heard his music, but he can get really no, I haven't. Really but I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out after, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, he's got a song called "The Shaman." Um, he's got a call. I mean, he's just got uh, you know just a lot of good music. I would say. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it's uh, drug references and a lot about drugs and stuff too. But um, you know, like you said, you need yeah, that. We on, figured you need that, that out on, though. though. He's third yeah. level. He's he's third level though. Still, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But like, so like, I feel like when I'm on the porch with him talking to him about the different lyrics and stuff, it's almost like. He needs someone out there, like you're saying, like that 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 can break it down, like to know that you're not like just going too far with it or whatever, like just kind of like the same way that I wanted to send you the that one song that I did, like hyperdimensional opulence. Yep. Because like I feel like you would. Oh, look, understand, are we talking on like, the show or not? I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Are we yeah, talking I on mean, the show I now or not? Care. I would say yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> okay, cool. So you can, yeah, you can leave most of that. I'm sorry. So keep going. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, just the same way that I, I, I sent you that song. Like, I, I just felt like you were somebody who was like kind of deeper into these things. And I'm like, you know, like if I could get some kind of appreciation from someone like that, then I know that I'm not like doing it for nobody or whatever. Like that there are people out there like me yeah, that would sport. appreciate it and understand it. That would understand it. Like it's not like okay, it was like a, a you yeah. know a twenty second clip of me rapping, but like I tried to put a lot of elements in there and make it fit like the exact same rhyme, and then you know like 
and, and when I heard that you were into hip hop, I'm like, okay, maybe this dude would appreciate it. And next thing you know, we're recording a three hour podcast. Yeah, I used to be a rapper. We are the cosmos made conscious. The universe getting a chance to experience itself. Butterflies never see the beauty of their own wings. A nebula never gets to bask in its own splendor. We are the ultimate observers chronicling the aesthetic beauty of everything. Cosmic consciousness co-creating at infinitum. You are another me, and I am another you. Who knew something so beautiful could be so true? should really be emotion, thought, action. Getting a chance to